Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. No greater faction than the action movie scene. Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. Your satisfaction, action on the silver screen. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. My name is Scott Wiley and you're listening to the Action Addicts Podcast and we are going to be talking about the 2017 version of Power Rangers. The film is technically just called Power Rangers but it's pretty much just become known as Power Rangers 2017 or the 2017 Power Rangers version. Whatever takes your fancy, it doesn't really matter, that's what we're talking about. Before we start, just a quick addendum, if you're a regular listener, i.e. you listened to the last episode, I said that there would be an episode uh, in between these two. Uh, That episode basically is cancelled. It was a review episode and I decided not to do it because I wasn't a fan of the review I did. So that's scrapped. There is going to be something uh, along the lines of what I was doing that I can't say what it is yet. Uh, but it might be another interview-style episode like the one we did with uh, Lauren Avedon and Kelly Polling. So keep an eye out for that. That one will probably just drop as a bonus whenever it's ready. For those of you who know the release schedule, I'm sure you can work out what the review was and what the interview might be. But in the interest of me not wanting to promise things that haven't happened yet, I'm not going to say what it is. This episode is a long one, folks. Just uh, as you... Well, you know that because you've seen the length of the episode when you clicked on it, but uh, in case you haven't and it's just set up to autoplay, thank you very much. I'm warning you now, this is a long one. I do not expect anyone to sit through this in one sitting unless you're going on a trip, maybe, or you've got a really dull work day planned ahead of you that you need something to keep you going. I don't know if this is it, but we will certainly try. This episode is special in the fact that it is the first episode because the Lauren Avedon one really didn't count because Jay... Unfortunately, pretty much is silent throughout the whole episode, but don't worry, Jay will be coming back in the future to be a regular guest on the show himself. But this is the first time that we've actually got two guests speaking a lot. It was an absolute nightmare to edit, and I hate audacity sometimes with a burning passion. If you're wondering why this episode is late, well, it's because audacity updated, crashed, lost my editing file, and then refused to do anything, so I had to completely wipe it and lose all my preferences and settings for how I have all my plugins and extensions set up. So that meant that I've pretty much wasted an entire evening of editing, lost it, and had to redo it. So this episode and this entire intro has been done like twice, basically. And uh, I was not a happy bunny when Audacity decided to update to the newest and best version and then just crashed every time it tried to open and refused to do anything. I love technology. But... It's here now. You can listen to it. It's a really, really long one. I do just want to preface this by saying a couple of things. First of all, we go off topic uh, a a little bit, but it's actually all connected to what we're talking about to do with fandoms, being a geek, growing up with our childhood shows, because Power Rangers, as many people that listen to this know, is one that I watched growing up. And uh, Andy and Patrick both watched it as well, even though they're a little bit older than I am. And that led to conversations about other stuff that's all relevant and it's all very enjoyable. But 
I will also stress that there is a point in this this where I sound very, very negative about the film. If you listen to the entire episode, uh, I do not stay negative and I don't start negative. I purely did that because A, it's my opinion, and B, I kind of wanted the perspective of somebody that didn't grow up with the show and I made a mistake because I didn't realize that Patrick was also someone the same as me and Andy, which is hilarious and that was fine. We all had a laugh about it. But that meant that one of us needed to be the person that was going to point out some of the stuff that maybe I don't like or the fandom didn't like or that the film didn't do that didn't work. And we did kind of keep it balanced between the three of us. But there is a specific point where if you just listen to that bit in isolation, I am nitpicking this film to death. It is only that one section. So if that turns you off, skip forward a bit, you'll be fine. Uh, Or you can listen to it and laugh. I don't mind. But I just wanted to give you that warning before I throw you over to myself and the guys. Have a blast, and I will see you in the outro. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, we're back in the room. Hopefully I've just given you an introduction, because this one's probably going to have a longer intro than normal, depending on how much energy I have when I record it. But with that said, this is also kind of a first because aside from the episodes you guys will have already heard with uh, Lauren and Jay, this is the first time that we're actually going to have two guests on. So the first thing I need to say is that technically this is also one of these fine gentlemen's first appearance on the show, but it's actually not because technically he's already been on before, but you guys will never hear that episode. But take our word for it. It was one of the best episodes that we've ever done. And you can't prove otherwise. So why don't you say hello, Patrick? Hi, how are you? I mean, it it was very good. I mean, this, this is very much like a tenacious D. Like, this is not the greatest song in the world. This is just a tribute. But like, it was very good. I'm just saying. It was fantastic. See? See? I'm not making it up. And we are joined by uh, returning powerhouse Andy. How are you doing, Andy? Oh, I am good. Thank you. I've never been called a powerhouse before, so I appreciate it. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you... I'd say that's a fair assessment, given that you you went from not really doing podcasts to having been on this show, what, three, four times now? I think so. Yeah. So thank you for that. I appreciate it. And I feel sorry for those listening. (laughs) I don't I wouldn't say that. I think most people enjoy the episodes The all of the episodes lately have been doing pretty well. The, the, The bottom wrong episodes continue to surprise me by what they are. I won't say what they are, but. Yeah, uh, I think people like hearing voices they're not used to hearing, so who knew? But uh, today we're going to be talking about the 2017 film Power Rangers, which is a reboot of the long-running franchise that was started by Savannah Entertainment in 1993, and previously his attempts in 1987, and before that in 1983, and before that Stanley's attempts in the 70s with Sun Vulcan. But we won't go into any of that, because I actually want people to listen to this. Uh, so. First and obvious question is, could you guys tell us what your first experiences with this film and what were your initial thoughts? And we'll start with you, Andy. Okay, thank you. Um, my Okay, my initial thoughts with the franchise is when I was younger, um, I was at the age where, you know, 92, 93, I'm starting to get, you know, 13, 14 years old. And Power Rangers, to all my friends, was kind of dorky. But to me, I loved martial arts movies. And this, I got to see martial arts fights every week. So that's why I tuned in. Plus. Amy Jo Johnston was cute, so I had to turn in for that. 
Um, and then the movie, I ended up taking my kids when, you know, this was 2017. So they were like 10 and 12. So perfect age for them to kind of go out. Plus I could make an excuse to go to the movie, not just by myself. So. <laughs> what about you, Patrick? Um, well, the thing is like, cause like, I think Andy's only like, I want to say like a year older than me. Cause I was 83. Um, maybe more apparently. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So like when it first came out, like it was funny cause it was like a transitional period of like, when you go from being like a little kid to being like a like tween, if you will, into like a teenager. So it's like, I, when it started out like, the first season, like that, that's why I still, to this day, I still really like the first season is cause like, I really, like, I loved it. Like, it was just like, I got into karate. I mean, for various reasons, but mostly cause I wanted to do like things with the cool spin kick that Jason does in the intro to the show and everything. And I was like, which they told me when I was at karate, they're like, that does nothing. It does literally nothing. Like, it's like, that just that literally just looks cool. Like, there's no way, like, going to help you in a fight. And I was like, yes, I choose to believe you're wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, like, by the time they had done the second season, I kind of gotten out of it, which is actually why, like, I was telling you in our Lost thing that um, I had completely forgotten. Like, they had completely changed the whole thing, like, the Thunder Zorus and everything, because I had no idea. I didn't remember it at all. And like I had seen the movie like a year or so later like with my brother, but at that point he was way more into it than I was. I was just kind of like, oh, there's a movie. Let's go see the movie. Um, and I watched it and it was like, I mean, it was cool. And I still remember liking it, but like, I don't, I, I'm not like a super fan, if you will. So like by the time the movie came, like this, the 2017 movie came out, or at least when it was coming out, because they showed us, um, I showed you the video of um, New York Comic Con the year it was coming out. And they show they, they had like a panel and they showed the trailer. And I remember watching the trailer and I was with my friend Kevin. And I was just like, that's that's Chronicle. Like I was like, and I'm like, I'm not mad. Like I, I love Chronicle. Like, so I'm like, this is this is awesome. But I was just like, they they literally just made Chronicle with Power Rangers. <laughs> like I was just like, and that's fine. Like it's like whatever. Um, so like when I saw the movie, I wasn't surprised by what I got. It's like, it's like this is like basically Chronicle with Power Rangers, which is fine like i love that movie and like i like power rangers so like this is a this is a fine mashup and also like i like the fact that like this one leaned really hard on the like breakfast club aspect because i remember telling uh because i saw it with my former roommate who was a huge power rangers fan and i was just like so <laughs> i was like i understand that this didn't work for you but i was like for me who like breakfast club was my top 10 movies ever I was like, that was fantastic. I was just like, you give me Breakfast Club, but with fighting, like actual like karate fighting, like a ninja fight. Yes, that is exactly a movie I want to see. You like, you add in like kaiju fights and shit. This is the best movie ever. It's not the best movie ever, but at the time it was the best movie ever. Like for a hot second, it was the best movie ever until I left the theater and thought about it a little bit more. But I still really enjoyed it. That's fair. Um... Obviously, my history with the brand, I, I think uh, a lot of people know by now, uh, I'm the youngest one here. I was born in 91. So me and Power Rangers kind of grew up side by side. Basically, I was the literal target audience for the show. Um, I'm the oldest of four. And you could count my cousin as the fifth. Uh, so even when I would have naturally, organically stopped watching it, I was constantly connected to all of the iterations that would come afterwards. And... The fact that I'm, I've got one of those brains that if I start something, especially with TV shows, even if it's gone bad and rubbish and I'm not really in, into it, I really want to just finish it. And the problem with this bloody show is it just doesn't fucking end. And it's still going to this goddamn day. And, uh, 
which is cool. But yeah, no, I don't watch it anymore. I, I, I couldn't possibly stand it. But the point is, I knew a lot about this stuff. The originals were one of those big influences to me growing up. So when this reboot was announced, I was very excited because I obviously followed its creation, its inception, what the leaks, the rumors, etc. And one of the big things that uh, I remember, and you can tell that they expected this to be the case from the finished film we got, is that this was the start of a brand new universe. This was a franchise. Everyone involved had signed a seven-picture deal, including Lionsgate. Everyone knew that this was going to be the next big thing, that they were going to have the same massive impact that they did in 1993 and take the world by storm. They gave them a hundred million dollars to create this thing and then it opened and made a cool 40 million bombing fucking atrociously. And the six other people that saw it with me in the cinema on opening night pretty much concurred with that being the correct response. <laughs> However, I actually agree that I actually enjoyed it when I first watched it. I liked the Breakfast Club aspect. Uh, I also agree that it is basically just Chronicle with some weird multicolored CGI things at the end. But as time's gone on, all of my issues I had at the time, they've just kind of multiplied. But some of that is also due to the reception this film has, which is that this film released in 2017. It's now 2022. And because there is now another reboot on the horizon from Hasbro, all of a sudden, a lot of people keep coming out of the woodwork to be like, this film deserved better. This film was amazing. And, uh, I don't, I don't just mean mainstream people because Patrick's doing a dance in front of us here. Um, but, uh, I mean people in the PR fandom. And I'm just like, I get it. Like, this was a pretty decent film, but even if more people had gone to see this film, I don't think it would have been the massive, huge spark that everybody hoped that this would be for a brand new franchise. It just didn't have the right ingredients. But that said, one thing it did have was a pretty stellar cast. Did you guys think that everyone was cast pretty well? Uh, it's funny because like, I um, remember because uh, uh, when Dicker Montgomery showed up in uh, Stranger Things, I kept referring to him as Red Ranger and people, cause no, and as you like point out, Scott, like nobody really saw this movie. So it's like, people didn't know what the fuck I was talking about. Like I kept calling him Red Ranger. I'm like, I don't know his real fucking name. I know he was a Red Ranger. Like I was just like, I know he's really handsome and he's a Red Ranger. Like, it's like, that's like my whole thing. The whole, like, I was like, everybody across the board, it's like impossibly pretty people. Like, it's like I love when people were like, why did they have, uh, instead of Tommy and uh, Kimberly, why did they do? Because like, they're impossibly pretty people. Of course, they're going to fuck. All of this cast, they're going to fuck. Like, they're just going to. Like, that's the, like, that's entire, that's, that's going to be this entire franchise. It's just different iterations of them getting in romantic entanglements because they're all very, very attractive. But, like, I actually really like all of them, especially Ludi Lin as Black Ranger, as Zach. Um, because, like, to this day, like, that's like, when I see him in things, like he, he, was, he was like Liu Kang of Glass MK and stuff. And I was just like, I get excited to see that dude. Cause I'm like, that's the Black Ranger. I was like, I love that dude. And like Dacre Montgomery, who like in this, I feel like didn't really get a chance to like do anything other than being like the noble hero guy. Like he, I mean, his, his whole arc was be, he's like, I'm a bad boy that turns into a good boy. But like, he really is kind of just like, I'm secretly a good guy the entire time. So like, he never really like, there's never like a moment where it's like a true like shift for him. So he doesn't really get a lot to do. Like Trader Things, like he gets to do kind of an arc. Um, but I do really like him. And um, 
yeah, like across the board, like all of them I thought were actually really good. I mean, like, especially, um, I don't know his real name, but uh, the guy who played Billy, I remember seeing him at Comic Con. Like, okay, yeah, he's super cool. He is like the coolest dude in the world. And he plays a nerd really convincingly. Like, I was like, I was shocked when I saw the movie because, like, I, like, at Comic Con, he just seemed like the coolest dude in the world. And I was like, he's a Blu Rachel? That doesn't make any freaking sense. And then, like, when I saw the movie, I'm like, oh, wow, like, he's a really good actor. Like, God bless that dude. Yes, I would agree. The cast really surprised me because when I, you know, I'm like going there thinking it's going to be, you know, a rehash of the show. And the show was not known for its acting. We know that. We can say that now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we were also 12, 13 years old and didn't think about acting. We just watched what was on TV and it was great. So when I went with this, I was like, I turned to my uh, uh, wife because my kids were sitting over here next to us. And I was like, this is actually pretty good. Like these actors are convincing me. And I like the whole I like that they weren't friends beforehand, like in the show, they were all this close knit group. So it made, but I liked in this, they had to come together and, you know, expose some secrets and stuff like that. So it kind of showed their bonding a little bit differently. So, but Billy was a standout for me, like the kid from the first scene he's in, I'm just like, Oh, I forgot how funny, but how nerdy, but equally cool he was at the same time. And I was like, man, why couldn't I have been that guy in high school? Like, <laughs> And no. uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, how do you uh, pronounce it? Decray. I, I, I always say it wrong. Daiquiri, whatever. He's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> aside from being ridiculously handsome and aside from being from showing what he can do in Stranger Things, I was like, as soon as I, I saw that, I was like, oh, this kid's got talent because he was, you know, the kind of like like you said, Patrick, noble, but also I do bad boy stuff. But secretly, I was always a nice guy, but <laughs> And then when you see him in Stranger Things, I was like, oh, this kid can play a douche really good. But it may, and he makes you hate him. But at the same time, you're like, oh, OK, that shows me something because I saw him be the noble good guy before. Now he's this bad boy douche who's really good at it and makes you want to be like, wish I was him, but also a nicer version of him. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah, uh, I agree. All of the cast do really well. I for the most part, they all kind of get a moment in the film to shine. Uh, one criticism I do remember a lot of people having that I, I did notice this time as, around as well is that Billy, Jason, and Kimberly get a lot more screen time than Zach and Trini do. And I don't think that was necessarily intentional because I also know there's a lot of stuff that was cut from this film. And I can't help but wonder if uh, Zach and Trini, unfortunately, just got lost in the cutting room floor. Um, cause there were obviously storylines that they both had with their families that are very, very minimized in this, but there's a lot more stuff that was shot cause they're on the Blu-ray and you know, there's a, there's a lot more stuff that was filmed and originally conceptualized that I, <laughs> I think was held back for the obviously guaranteed sequel that was coming. I do actually need to say real quick, uh, cause I completely forgot to mention the like actual like actors. <laughs> Because, like, um, Brian Cranston as Zordon is really good. I mean, I don't know 100%, like, how the hell they got Brian Cranston to be Zordon. But, like... Oh, can, I, can, I, <laughs> can I offer you a fun fact? Because sure. I'm guessing you don't know. One of the reasons is because Brian Cranston is in the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers show as a voice of one of the monsters. Oh, fair enough. I did not know that. Yeah, um, his his episode is there, and one, now that everyone knows his voice, the second you hear it, you can't not tell that that's Brian Cranston. <laughs> but yeah, him and uh, I think um, 
like Bill Hader as Alpha Five is awesome. Like when I remember, like that was like, the, like that was the standout when I first watched it because I was just like, he's really good. <laughs> like I was just, I mean, granted, it's not surprising because Bill Hader is awesome, but I was just like, he's really, really good, and it's like, I mean, and then you could mean Christ. I mean, like even the way they did Rita, I like, I love that like Elizabeth is the one person in the movie who's just like who realizes because everybody. The whole movie is like, as I said, the whole Chronicle thing, but it's very like dark and like, it's very like serious. And it's like, Elizabeth like the one person in the movie who's just like, nah, I know what Power Rangers is. And she just does like shtick. And like, I was just like, like the, the lady she does that line where it's like, they found their costumes and their dino cars. I was just like, every time. I think it's hilarious. Every single time. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks definitely nailed Rita, or at least uh, this version of Rita for me. Uh, I said to Andy at some point in the past that for, to me, she's the, the, the best in inverted commas of the cast purely because, as you just said, she actually got what movie she was supposed to be in. And that's not a complaint against anybody else uh, other than maybe the director. Cause as you said, this is Chronicle with some extra stuff. I've had this conversation with other PR fans. This film is very much a high school drama with some supernatural elements. And then Haim Saban is sat over Dina's relight shoulder with a stick going, they want my Power Rangers. Where are my Power Rangers? And uh, all of the scenes from Power Rangers just feel like they were added in by somebody else. And Dean just went, I'm going on break now. Someone else can do this bit. I don't give a shit. <laughs> to be fair, we all wanted Power Rangers too. When I was watching it again, I was like, "Why aren't they in these fucking suits? Put them in the suits, goddamn it! Let me see it." Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, "You can still have all of your angst and all of your teenage stuff, but put them in the suits more." Son of a bitch. Well, unfortunately, I think that's because this film suffers from what used to be pretty common with superhero films in general: is that this is the origin story, as you said. In this version, they have to spend so much time introducing everybody because they don't know each other whereas in the original pilot and the original show which are very very different like you said they already know each other so you didn't need that you just needed a little bit of a setup to be like right these guys are all friends we're going to expand on their characters maybe later in other episodes but for now all you need to know is that they're friends and at least three of them can fight so uh now we're going to give you all the crazy stuff whereas this film doesn't do that as you said, everybody kind of, well, is a bit of an asshole at the very beginning. And then as the film goes on, you have to kind of peel back the layers and realize that actually they were all good guys, with the exception of Kimberly, all along. And uh, most of them, yeah, they're like you say, they're good guys. I actually, and I will say this because I have seen this film three or four times. The only one I didn't really gel with is Jason. But as you said, uh, Montgomery has proven in other roles that he's really, really good. And rewatching it this time, I realize it's not him I have an issue with. It's the way in which they wrote Jason, because like you say, they're desperately trying to convince you he's a bad boy. But A, that that doesn't really work for the guy who's supposed to be the leader for the, for Jason. But also, it's so obvious he's not. Like, he comes to Billy's defense and slaps the bully, which is probably the best scene in the whole film, which is also kind of depressing given that this is a martial arts superhero film. But that's what it is. But there ain't no way a, a bad boy is going to do that. He ain't going to step up and defend the kid he barely knows who's getting bullied. Um, and it's the same problem when they introduce uh, Zach later on, where it's like his entire personality is, I'm the crazy one. It's like, you're really not, though. Like, 
explain to me what you actually do that's crazy in this film. <laughs> you jump on a moving car. So did everybody else. <laughs> I will I say... Mean, to be um, fair, spying on people is pretty crazy at times. Because he, <laughs> he could tell you everything Trini did. <laughs> True. Um, I will say is the thing that you, like, you just made me think of. It is funny that, like, um, it's really the superhero thing. It's, this is, like, the last one, I feel like, of kind of the era of, like, and I am in no way disparaging this because I love this so much, but um, the, like, Christopher Nolan era of, like, uh, superhero movies where, like, they basically, like, brought it... Because basically, like, when they started doing, like, let's say, like, Batman Begins, it was, like, it was done in this very dark, realistic way because, A, people were, like, kind of over genre at that point it felt like anyway and at least mainstream audiences and b um it was kind of like a reaction to like how ridiculous things had gotten with batman and robin and then it was like over time with marvel because marvel then kind of took the example with iron man of basically be like kind of doing what dark knight was doing but also doing like kind of a lighter version and then just kind of as time went on they got kind of more and more confident of getting lighter and lighter and adding more and more like supernatural stuff like, because even like the first like Thor is like they can't even be gods; they had to be space aliens. And I'm just like, oh, for whatever. Um, it's like, yeah, because that's somehow more realistic. Um, but like the whole thing with like, by the time they had done Power Rangers, it was like people were willing to accept the more kind of ridiculous shit that kind of that kind. I think this was like a year after like Doctor Strange for Christ's sake. So it's like, and like I think Thor Ragnarok, it might have been the same year. Um, but like, it was like, people were ready for like random, like insane superhero stuff, which I just don't think they were prepared for. So they were like, yeah, we're just going to do this thing. That's like very, like a dirt grounded taking the power Rangers. And I'm like, okay, I liked that, but that it was not what I anticipated and not what I think anybody like, especially like people that are like super fans like yourself, like wanted. It was just like, it was just like, I, you made a early 2000s superhero movie in the late 2010s when that was not a thing. I feel like you missed a boat on something in maybe this was pretty production for so long. I don't know, but like things went awry on that stage that concerned me to this day. Andy, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say that uh, when you're factoring in when the time that it came out, right, Patrick, there's a part of me that's like, we've, we've already gotten, the let's take an hour and a half to get to the costume reveal so we've seen that but it's also it seems like this is an amalgamation of everything else because we got the whole guardians walking scene of the whole group together and as soon as that happened i was like let me just double check i was like oh yeah guardians was four years before this thing and that also made me feel old i was like holy shit this came four years after guardians of the galaxy (laughs) yeah um so yeah there's you can see that they're trying to take the different templates from what marvel did from what Nolan did and it's an amalgamation of stuff, but they had a built-in fan base of millions of people around the world. Just give them what they want. That's how you make your money. I'm not a genius. I'm not a marketing expert at all. I don't do that shit, but it seems to me, if you have a built-in fan base, give them what they want, you'll make your money. And then you can have your seven pictures. When you said they signed seven picture deal, I about shit my pants. Cause I was like seven pictures i'm like only marvel was doing that dc wasn't even signing people for seven pictures (laughs) yeah well if i remember correctly and i am genuinely doing this from memory um 
they wanted to basically take it all the way from Mighty Morphin through to Zeo, hence why the Zeo crystal is introduced right from this word go. And uh again, if you don't know the the Power Ranger lore, even if you do, to be fair, it's it's easy to miss. But like in that opening sequence where um you're seeing the death of Zordon's team, that yellow ranger that demorphs before she dies is from Aquatar, which Patrick hasn't quite got to yet, but in season three the alien rangers from Aquatar get introduced. So right from the word go, there is a lot of world building from inside Power Rangers in this film, which was like going to lead to other stuff and set up potentially who knows what. And I think there could have been much more interesting stuff in the future for this franchise, but I think it's also a great demonstration, which of which there are many examples that trying to build for the future when you haven't guaranteed your current success is a great way to just get failure. You know, they were so obsessed with trying to prepare for what was going to come that they never actually stopped and went, but this film will actually be a success, right? People will like this film. And no, they didn't. (laughs) Regardless of what people might say now, you know, this is the thing. With the passage of time, even stuff that people hated will become something that was liked. Uh, all I remember when this film came out was the range of fandom tearing it apart. There were, of course, people that liked it from day one, but mainstream audiences didn't didn't care in in the slightest. Nobody went to even give this film a shot. And so, like you said, majority of people that were going were people who either remembered Power Rangers or were the diehards. And I speak from experience here, the diehards, you said about uh, pleasing the inbuilt fan base. Nah, that was a lost cause, mate. I swear to Christ, they are the hardest fucking people to please on the planet. I'm, I'm gonna go. Have you and... met Star Wars fans? <laughs> <laughs> the real ones, not. I mean, not. Sorry, the fake ones, not the the real ones like yours truly, but or Chris, our buddy, or Mikey. But no, but no. but that's my genuine point. Is I can remember. I'm going back like 12 years now, 15 years maybe, because time has no meaning in this world. But Power Rangers fandom used to be this small niche group, and most of the assholes were on one specific place that I won't name, but you could go anywhere else and pretty much everything was nice and welcoming and open. As time went on, that all kind of went away because all the people that used to be interested in it basically either outgrew it, uh, couldn't see where the brand was going because at one point it was sold off and abandoned. You know, Disney gave up on it in 2009 um, when they owned it because it's gone through, you know, four different people at various points have owned this thing new people came along and kind of took over, which is fine. But the problem Power Rangers has, which I think the only other brand I can think of that kind of has this issue is Doctor Who, is there's 30 years of Power Rangers fans, but every fucking year is a different cast and a different show with a different theme and a different story. So half the fan base, when they announced that they're going to do another Power Ranger film, went, well, as long as it's not Mighty Morphin, I'm happy. Of course, it's going to be Mighty Morphin, just like this one was. And that right there is your problem with the inbuilt audience of Power Rangers. Everyone wants the the new adaptation to be the version that they grew up with, whether that be Zeo, Turbo, Lost Galaxy, Time Force, Dino Thunder, Ninja Storm. They're all completely different casts, most of which, barring maybe a crossover episode, are completely insular. They don't have any connections to what comes before or after. How the hell do you please a fan base that's that fractured from the word go? You know? I'm feeling attacked right now. No, No, that's the thing. Okay. (laughs) I actually need to go into what you said, because what you said is legit. 
Andy, because uh, Star Wars fans, but also just fucking comic nerds. Like there oh, used gosh. to be like, it was like me and like a couple other people. And if there was somebody who was being obnoxious, I would just leave the comic book store. It was like, it was fine. That was all you had to do. And now because that's goddamn mainstream cinema that is making billions of dollars, all I goddamn have to hear is people who are like either jerking Marvel off or people who are like, fuck this, this is awful. And I'm like, this is my hell. Like I was like, this is basically like what I grew up with, but like magnified by a fucking million. Like I was just like, I don't like this at all. It's why like, there's so many times where I just keep scrolling. I'm like, I don't care. I don't care. You love it. You hate it. I don't care. Like I'm just like, unless I see an actual thought that's like actual, like that isn't just like, jizzing all over or like actively like punching in the face i'm just like i don't care i don't care i don't care so it's like that's the thing is like with fandom in general these days it's like these things like power rangers star wars whatever that we all like, grew up with like it was like there was like only a handful of us and like we the only ones we knew generally were like each other so it was like it was all very small and then it like get blown up into something big and then you suddenly see like oh no like when this gets away from us Things go horribly wrong, just horribly fucking wrong, which we have witnessed with every fucking fandom in the last few years. Like, like Star Wars is obviously very toxic, but like going to comics, like fucking Snyder fanboys are fucking terrifying. And I love Batman. Like my first fucking tattoos were Batman and the Joker. Like I love Batman more than probably anybody, but holy shit, man, you guys scare the shit out of me. Like, holy fuck. <laughs> We need we need Batman to come beat the shit out of these guys <laughs> or people. You know, I shouldn't just say guys because there's terrible people on both sides. So but uh, no, it is funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, growing up as a comic book fan, as a Star Wars fan, as just uh, anime fan, you know, stuff like that. Like none of my friends were into that stuff. So you didn't have people to talk about. We didn't have social media to go to and just tweet our thoughts and then have people just dog shit on it all day long. <laughs> So, yeah, it's one of those things where as things blow up, it tends to it tends to bring some core fans together like us, you know, our small group. But then you got so much other outside noise where I'm like, thank goodness for that lock button (laughs) or the block button. And it's like I can just choose to scroll by and stop on those that I know are going to have a measured opinion on something. Or guess what? They just like stuff present company included you don't see me talk about shit i don't like because why should i waste my time yeah and you know you hit both hit the nail on the head as well with like the early adoption of the internet and the way fandoms grew there was so much more effort involved than there is now and the the landscape of cinema and just the world in general was different because you know it when I'm saying like you had to go to places to talk about Power Rangers, it was uh, a forum board, you know, it was uh, one of those ancient fucking awful things where you had to log in, set up a profile specifically only for this one thing, like every interest you had would be different and then everything would be sectioned off into categories. It sounds so archaic for the people that grew up with social media, but using like Envision Board, for example, is the first one that comes to mind. That pretty much ran Ranger Board and uh, Ranger United and PRU and all these other different like fan run forums. And it was the same for Star Trek. It was the same for Star Wars. And, you know, the people that went there, like you said, chances are maybe a family member or a friend, but 
vast majority of them were going there because they had nobody to talk about this stuff or knew anybody that was interested in it. So going and finding a forum that had maybe a few hundred people or even maybe a few dozen people, depending on what your interest was, was like finding gold. But now every fucker is into this stuff, allegedly. With that and the fact that there's a whole new generation that have grown up with this stuff being the number one blockbuster form of generating money comes the idea that, well, this I don't like this thing, but this is the norm, so I'm going to complain about it. And I know that there's a lot of people that are our age and older that are also like that, but it's a completely different mindset than the one I think the three of us grew up with, even though we're all different ages, because we didn't have that world. Everything, finding someone else like we are right now to talk to about this stuff was just not normal. No, and when it happened, it was glorious. Like, you'd go to the comic shop. I am three years older than Patrick, so you can do the math there. And when you said 91, I was like, oh, shit, I was, <laughs> I was double, double digits when Scott was born. Yep. <laughs> but you'd go to the comic shop or you'd go somewhere and you'd be looking at something and someone would just walk, walk by and go, awesome book. And you'd be like, you like this too? And you could talk for a little bit, but then you'd never talk again, or hopefully you'd see them next week or next month, depending on how often you could, could go. And, or there were, there were times when God bless her. My, uh, my grandma was like the biggest proponent of just making Andy happy. So she would take me to comic book shops and she would ask every owner, do you have a chair? My back hurts. Even though it, it didn't hurt, she would just sit and let me look for hours. And I could just talk to people that came in and then she'd buy me something and we'd get out of there and I'd go home and read it for the next month till we went back. So yeah, it's crazy how different things are. Like my kids never experienced that. They don't know what it's like to not have something at your fingertips that you can just search something for or talk to people immediately. I was like, no, I had to go places and talk to people. That's probably why I can talk to people now because <laughs> I was forced to do it. <laughs> Yep. I mean, I have uh, the exact opposite thing where I cannot talk to people because I was forced to. Like, you were just <laughs> like, because, like, for me, it's like occasionally I would meet somebody in real life that liked the things, but like, I grew up in a shitty, like, insular small town in upstate New York where I was super fucking weird for liking, like, comic books and horror movies and punk rock and everything. So it was like, it wasn't because you mentioned message boards. I was like, that's actually where I kind of expanded everything because I remember I was on the Blade Disgusting board back in the day where I still have friends to this day. Um, and it was like, it was a horror board. So you get like a lot, it was, it was like a lot of horror talk, but there was also like, that's where I learned about like black exploitation films and like spaghetti Westerns and like everything. Cause people, like people just liked movies. So you'd like kind of learn about this and like, There'd be sections for like people like comic books, which were smaller sections. But you just kind of like learn about like, oh, this book and this book and this book. Like it's how I got like a, like Lone Wolf and Cub, like manga and stuff. Is it's like, so it's like that thing is like, in that regard, I think that like the proliferation of the internet is cool because it was like, oh, cool. So like now there's like we've opened this up, so like everybody who likes this thing can like whatever. But it's like the problem is on the other on the other side of that. Like, and I really hate to use the fucking word, but like the gatekeeping of it, which always existed, truth be told. Like, because when I was when I was younger, that was like a, I definitely a thing that I had, especially as like a punk rock kid, where it's like if things like if something that I liked was getting popular, I would instantly be like, fuck those people. Like it was just like my 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 brain was just like, no, I'm the only one that can like this. Me and like two other people. That's the only way this can be. 
And it was like, now I see how stupid that is. But there are people who are like way older than me who don't see how stupid that is, which genuinely troubled me. But like, that's the thing is like, it is on one hand cool the way like the internet kind of made fandom kind of, because that's, I mean, that's the reason like, I feel like cons kind of blew up the way they did also. It was, just, it was like the, the idea of just people from and now just around the freaking globe who have similar interests who are all just like gathered in one place. And that's why you can either like make friends or even just at the very least, just find stuff that you like. And like, cause it, it didn't used to be that way. And it was well, not great. Like it's like, I didn't even have a comic book store in my town. I had to go to a newsstand. And like, if they, they so you don't get like the, the most mainstream of the most mainstream. Like it's like, which was fine. I love like X-Men, Batman, whatever. But like, it wasn't like I could get Sin City at that point. It wasn't until like years later that I'd get into stuff that was like weirder and like more like underground, if you will, not like Dark Horse is like that underground. But like, but yeah, like I do think that's kind of like, there is a double-edged sword in the way that like the internet blew up fandom. Yeah. No, I mean, for me, it was completely different because comic books, I I had them in inverted commas growing up. But there wasn't a local comic book shop in any way, shape, or form. Like where I grew up in the very south of England, uh, in Cornwall, you would be very hard pressed to find anywhere like that that was a, a, a successful business. Let's let's put it that way. Uh, if one ever opened, it went out of business very, very quickly. And I I know some did. Like many years later, when I was like an adult, and they didn't last three months, even when things like the MCU had become a success. It just isn't that kind of place. So I was lucky because my family in general likes sci-fi, likes horror, likes martial arts stuff. As I said, um, I'm into martial art films because of my granddad. I like action films because of dad. And Power Rangers growing up was martial arts. It was superheroes. It was transforming giant robots that were also dinosaurs. It was science fiction it was magic it was basically every single interest you have when you're a kid that sounds ridiculous and someone just shoves it in a blender which is exactly how it was made i will add that wasn't by accident they knew what they were doing like the toy company uh, had a massive impact on how the show was made because they were like we have many toys to sell this is how we're going to sell them and it really was as simple as that it's funny how we're all kind of similar even though um, I grew up in a very insular, small, uh, small Michigan town, didn't have a comic book shop. The closest one was where my dad worked, which was 45 minutes away. So on Saturdays, I'd go up with him. I'd pick weeds at his office so he could take me to the comic book shop afterwards. And then so I didn't have monthly books even when, you know, when I was younger. So I'd just find what I liked and looked at it and grabbed it and read it. But I tried to talk to my friends at like school and they're like, stop being a nerd. I was like, all right. I'm glad that I'm bigger than you because you don't want to, you know, physically try to hurt me because that was the time of bullying at its height in the 90s. But um, it's just one of those things where I'm like, man, even from three different age ranges, we all and from different parts of the, the, the same country and then a completely different country, which Scott, you're English, by the way. I know. Such, such a surprise. <laughs> but how we all have kind of some similar backgrounds there of like not having people to, to talk to about this finding people later, uh, just not having stuff at our fingertips that my kids now take for fucking granted so much. And it's like, no, Steam, you don't have to buy every little thing that comes out, every little DLC pack, kid. Just because you have some money doesn't mean you have to spend it on that. Just give it a minute. Wait, because there'll be something else next week you'll want to buy. 
And I mean, granted, I fall victim to that too. I'm like, but honey, writing, uh, writing wrongs came out on Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray. I need it. <laughs> so, but it's funny how just hearing both of you talk, I was like, oh man, these guys were no, no wonder we've all found each other in this <laughs> digital age. I do think the thing that you mentioned is actually, uh, it's I, something that actually occurred to me about rewatching it, where they were like, it's literally like, yeah, they like, they like basically did like kaiju movies, which I loved. And it was like superheroes, which I loved. And like, fuck it, like, it's like, it's literally like everything kind of like jammed into one thing, which is kind of why it's insane to watch. Because I think like the, the other thing I kind of come across, like when I've been watching the show again, is I'm like, so much of this shit is just batshit insane. Like, it's just like, where it's just like, they'll be having the most minor conversation that all of a sudden it's like, well, Rita, for whatever reason, has created this giant monster out of this random shrimp that we like was somehow found in our, like, in our pond. And now we have to go fight it. And somehow it is going to lead to the loss of our powers that we have to come back together. It's like, this doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever. Like, I don't even know what the fuck is happening, but it's fine because I was a child and I didn't like question it. But it's like, it is, again, it's like, it's, that's, not entirely untrue of the other things that I enjoy. Like, if you really break it down, like, anything, if you, like, pull at hard enough superhero comics, like, because I think is, I always think it's funny, like, I mentioned the Snyder thing, and, like, in the Nolan thing, where it's just, like, the whole thing that I think is kind of insane in general is the idea of making, like, because also it's true of this movie, is um, when you lean too hard on trying to make something that is fantastical into something, like, realistic, you definitely lose a lot of like the points. Like I feel like in many cases, like I feel like with Batman, it works because Batman is already like, he's, he's a dude. And like, he's just like, he's a dude fighting crime. So it's like, yeah, you can play it more over the top, which like Schumacher for instance did, but like, you can also play it like, even like, I mean, it's so malleable. Like even like Zack Snyder where it like does like a much darker version, but it still works because it's so like whatever. But like, there are things like this, like Power Rangers, where it's like, I don't feel like it's as malleable. Like, I do think that this movie works. I do think it's cool. But I was like, I do feel like you're kind of like losing a big part of the point by kind of making it more grounded, realistic, because like, it's, at the end of the day, it's giant fucking robots fighting giant fucking monsters. Like, it's inherently fucking insane. Like, it's like, so like, there's no reason, like, Christ, the giant robot came from several fucking dinosaur robots, like, coming together. Like, it's all fucking insane. So, like, just let it be insane. Like, why why can't things just be insane? Like, why does everything have to be, like, real? That's, like, the thing about, like, that's why I do think that they fucked up in this, and I think that, like, they might rectify when they reboot the reboot is, like, <laughs> they'll do, like, I'm presuming, like, a more traditional take because, like, now I think, and the thing is funny is like by the time it comes out, people might have like switched up because like the it's, it's basically like I feel like we're getting to a point with the Marvel stuff where it's like it's gone so like far into the fantastical that I feel like the pendulum's going to swing the other direction. It's just a matter of when it swings in that direction. So like I am concerned by the time they actually reboot the reboot that like they're going to be like this is the ridiculous Power Rangers you grew up with, and it's going to be like we've we've come back to the time of like. No, nah, man, we want a dark, grounded Power Rangers. What the fuck is this shit? <laughs> I'll be honest. I think the reason, and I know that, that I'm about to say something that's going to get me set on fire by most of the Ranger community. Have you guys ever seen Power Stroke Rangers that was made for YouTube with Adi yes. Shankar? Okay. Yes. So you both have. Sweet. And obviously that, so, yes. 
that was uh, as dark as you can take Power Rangers. Obviously, they all die horrifically. There's drug use. There's uh, naked women kissing each other. There's every dark and gritty reboot trope shoved into this 10-minute short. All of the suits that look, you know, damaged and grungy. All of that was intentional. All of that was supposed to highlight that you can take the most light-hearted kids show and turn it into dark and gritty. It doesn't make you a good filmmaker. Like, that whole thing was supposed to be satirical to the point that, as you said, every film was dark and edgy and trying to be from Gotham City. When in reality, you don't need to do that. You need to make it true to what the show or comic or whatever it is, or video game, is supposed to be about. And I agree that this this film doesn't do that. And partly it's because that short film took off. Like, Haim Saban took that film down. Eventually, they sorted out their issues and they put a disclaimer on it and it was allowed to go back. And then I want to say it was like a month later, they announced plans for the Power Rangers films. And it's amazing how similar they are if you watch them back to back, because this opens with Zordon dying, the old team blowing up. The Adi Shankar film opens up with the team getting their ass handed to them, a ranger dying. And there's even some shots that are so similar. It's like, hmm, you know? All those Adi Shankar shorts were pretty rad, I think. Uh, remember they did like the Punisher Dirty Laundry one, which I really liked. Yeah. Where it was like letting Tom Jane actually be the fucking Punisher, which was cool. Um, and like the one they did with uh, Venom Truth and Journalism, mm-hmm. uh, where they basically did Man Bites Dog, but with Venom. And they also at the end of it used like Bullseye and shit. Like all of those were really cool, actually. All of those were super rad. Just because something, you know, to take a children's property and make it dark. The old saying, just because you can doesn't mean you should at times, because I hate the argument of, you know, people. I have one friend who's the complete opposite of me. He's like, anytime you know, something comes out, he goes, man, that sucked. That was horrible. That was the worst. That was terrible. And I'm just like, oh, gosh. All right. Bizarro buddy, Andy. <laughs> bizarre. <laughs> yeah. But he's always like, I want a dark, gritty, rated R Star Wars. I was like, no, we don't. No. It's it's never been that. No, we don't need it. We don't want it. No. I mean, go ahead and write it yourself, write your fan fanfic, and nobody will read it because nobody wants that. But there's a part of me where I I that argument starts to really grate on me because I'm like, no, Batman has been dark. Batman has been light. They've done this throughout the course of the comic book, so that's it's easier for me to accept different characters like that. This Power Rangers is probably a good example of going a little darker without going so far over the edge <laughs> where you're just like going to alienate the intended audience and fan base. But at the same time, just cause you can doesn't mean you should. To actually to Andy's point, I do want to say like, I do feel like that's also the common thing that I have. Like um, I remember, cause that's my whole thing. I remember when I first saw man of steel, um, which I, I, it would be, I like, don't get me wrong. But I was just like, I remember when I first saw it, I was like, I was in the theater opening day and I was like, how the fuck did you make Superman dark? And then like, I watched it again and I was like, oh no, they didn't make Superman dark. They just made everything around him so dark that it colors the character as being dark. But like the character is spot on, like, especially like Henry Cavill's portrayal, I think is spot on. It is that you made such a dark movie featuring Superman that it like colors the way you see uh, Superman. And I was like, 
I don't know. I, I, okay, I can't say I don't know. I do know. Because it was like, basically, they were like, Batman under Christopher Nolan has been very successful. So we want to do more of that. And I was just like, okay, but you don't need to do that with absolutely everything. Like, not like, it's like, what works for Batman doesn't necessarily work for Superman or Green Lantern or like, keep going on and on. Like, yeah, like you could probably do like, I mean, like, it's a, like, for example, like, let's say you want to do like a Lobo movie. You wouldn't do like a Lobo movie like, Batman Begins. Like you would do a Lobo movie that was like its own thing. Like it was like where it was like like almost like Deadpool. It's like because it's like that's the way like that character is. But it's like people got in their heads like because like uh, Dark Knight made like a kajillion dollars. Oh hey, like this is successful, so we need to do more like this. This is the, the example we should follow. And I was like, no, not necessarily. Like if you're not doing other Batman movies, and even when they did other Batman movies, they were like, no, no, we're gonna push it even darker. Like this is not what I want. Like that's the opposite of what I want. And there are people who clearly really, really want that. And like, they're terrifying human beings. But like, I mean, I get it. Like there's an audience, but at the same time, I get it. It's like, it's a thing like, to, to Andy's point of like, it's like Star Wars. Like the only like Star Wars I could see doing like, let's say like Radar is like, you could have pushed just like a little push to make Rogue One that much darker. And it would have probably still worked. Whereas like, if you try to do like, let's say just like Rise of Skywalker as like an R-rated like Star Wars movie, it would have been like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, it's like, it's like there's like things in like specific way you're telling your story. Like you, you don't, you should just tell the story in that manner rather than just trying to do the story in the way you think would be most successful. Cause I feel like that's how a lot of these things have failed. It is like, you're trying to do, like you're, you're, you're trying to engineer something. It's like, it's like the whole thing with probably being like a seven movie franchise. Where it's like, you tried to make a seven movie franchise without really like you just had like the broad strokes and you didn't you were just like you didn't have like, an actual like vision or like a take. You just kind of had like this is Power Rangers, so we throw we threw the Power Rangers name on it and it'll be successful. And I was like, Neh. and then like it came out, it's just like, yeah, see, no, you're wrong. That's why you're wrong. It's just like it's like it's like because even like Transformers, like we're just like it did work. And then it worked a little bit less, and then it worked a little bit less, and then it worked a little bit less until basically they had to like reboot the whole fucker with like Bumblebee and basically do like Transformers like the classic one. I think though you just hit the nail on the head with pretty much every major studio adaptation. I mean, uh, you're absolutely right. They don't want to put in any kind of thought and effort into what would make this particular film work. They want a formula that works that they can just apply to everything so that they don't have to really worry about it, you know. If you do X, Y, and Z, it equals a billion dollars would be perfection as far as they're concerned. And it's a completely understandable thing to want. It's never going to happen, but it's, you know, it's a nice thing to imagine you can have this formula that essentially prints money. It's just an unrealistic expectation of the this movie industry. I mean, I, I've said this before is that, you know, I said it in the Mortal Kombat episode and I could say it about pretty much every video game adaptation ever made, maybe barring one or two which is that they just make shit up as they go and then slap the name of said video game on and go, oh, it's it's definitely this, honest, and hope that that alone will make the money. Don't know if anyone's seen Resident Evil on Netflix, but uh, that's a great example. And it's exactly the same for comic books and for novels. You know, people often come into this with the... It, fe it feels like, anyway, that a lot of writers... Look at the thing that's made stupid amounts of money and go, Oh, that's cool. That's cool. But I know better because I make films. I work in Hollywood. 
let me show you how it's done, kid. Mine's going to make more money than yours. It never fucking does. Like, the amount of times that a Hollywood film has, say, outsold how much the video game version has made in money is, like, maybe one. And that's, like, Sonic or maybe Detective Pikachu. But even then, comparing that to the whole sales of Pokemon and Sonic the Hedgehog, nah, bro. You're, you're, you're tiny by comparison. Stop thinking you know better than the thing you're adapting. But to take us back to Power Rangers, I get it. Really difficult to adapt a show that was made on a shoestring budget, which was half made from a Japanese show. Like Patrick was saying, watching Mighty Morphin is insanity because halfway through the show, you're watching a completely different show that's been dubbed, basically. And half the problem with creating an adaptation for the cinema is you're now 100% just the Western version, which means all of the identity that's in that original show that came from Japan isn't there anymore. And I think that's half the reason why both, well, three if you count Turbo, but all of the movie versions that exist for Power Rangers don't really know how to do that. They get bits of it right, and they, they've all had a different attempt at what it means to be Power Rangers, but all of them try to make them more Western, when in reality, a lot of the cool stuff that people really like came from Japan. The giant robots, the giant monsters, the really intricately choreographed fight sequences that also have random poses thrown in for no reason. The powers, all of that came from the original show Super Sentai, and whilst I don't just want what a lot of people seem to want now, which is them to just stop making Power Rangers dub Super Sentai and release that over here, I still think Power Rangers can work on its own. I think that one thing they kind of have to just accept going in is Power Rangers is crazy and on paper shouldn't work, but it does. So instead of trying to fight that, you need to embrace it, but not to the point that you actually end up making a film for four-year-olds, which is where I fear the other version of this extreme will go and that the, you know, there will be nothing there for people, any, you know, anyone of the age of five to enjoy, shall we say. And there's certain elements of the show that they could have easily used in this movie. Like we don't get to see them really fight outside of the costumes other than when they're training down in the, the pit. Mm -hmm. I'm like, no, have them at, at school and shit goes bad. And these creatures come up like, you know, have them fight outside of that to show that they're learning and growing as these fighters and stuff like that. I mean, we didn't have to worry about that with the old show because we knew that they were karate guys. I think the first episode, what, you know, Jason's wearing a gi with cut off sleeves to just walking around school. Like he, he literally wears karate clothes to school. And I was like, do. wait, you can do, do that? Oh, I know. I wish I could. You know, so there was that that was already built into it. So you didn't have to show them training. But well, and I think the the the, the budget was just too much cut it back a little bit so you're not so you don't think like oh we can make these crazy big cgi monsters no like throw a, a guy in a suit make it look cool because we can do that and you can enhance that with some cg elements i am thankful that they didn't make the suit cgi we can be thankful for that yeah the the suits have some cgi elements to them but for the most part they are practical but uh, uh, all right well we'll we'll just take it there since you've just kind of set it up but i what are your guys' opinions of said suits and the visual design of all of the alien tech in general? Okay. I have a completely different feeling than you do, I feel like. Because like, I, okay, I completely understand you 
and every person that I've heard talk about it, because like I definitely understand where you're coming from, because it's not the show at all. Like, I know, because I know I remember even like Austin St. John being like talking about like the size of the um, yeah, like the, the Zords and stuff, like being like shrunk and being like baby Zords, whatever. And I was like, I completely get it, but I also understand the perspective of like the way that they're trying to do it. Granted, they're also they're clearly aping the look of like Transformers and to some extent like Pacific Rim. So it's like, I completely, and I mean, even like, I don't think, God, yeah, the first Godzilla I think was out at that point. Um, yeah, it would But been. it's like, they like, they were clearly like aping a very specific like visual language of like what they were like trying to, cause they were like, people already accept this. So we're going to do it in this way. So it's like, I get it and it doesn't bother me. Like, I get, I also understand why people like yourself do not enjoy it. But like, I, for me, it does work because it's like, it's, even though it's the same thing that I always thought was funny with like Transformers was like, um, like uh, Michael Bay's whole thing where it's just like, oh, it looks more real if we have like more like doodads and car parts. And I was like, I don't understand your logic. Like, I was just like, it's a, fucking transformer like it's a giant fucking robot turning back and forth into a truck like who the fuck is thinking realistically right now but it's like it's kind of my whole thing with like this where it's just like i think that in the way that they did the zords i i think it was fine like it for me it works because it's fantastical enough that like i am satisfied but it is realistic enough that it like it doesn't completely not make sense to any part of my brain. So it's like for me, it doesn't bother me. But I completely understand why. It I mean, I do understand the look of the Megazord is like completely different. Uh, but I do kind of like the idea they all go into like the pit and like it's like I actually almost wish instead of like the whole thing of like the fire activating their Zords and turning them into Megazord, I wish it almost kind of like it melted them together like and made it to the Megazord. I thought that would have been cool. But like, whatever, it's fine. I I don't have a problem with it, but I get it. Andy, um, I liked the costumes actually because uh, it it was like a it it to me it looked like an updated version of the first of the movie. How it was more armor pieces, but it was like kind of a, a symbiote almost. How it came, you know, it was like you know came out of their essence or whatnot. But um, and this might be sacrilege because I know that the original suits had the mouse, but I think it would have looked much cooler if they didn't have mouse on the mask part on the lower part, just because it, it would have looked sleeker and it would have fit the whole overall costume. Um, and I forgot that halfway through, they just basically take the mask off. So you can see that it's the actual actors in the costumes. <laughs> I was like, Oh yeah, I forgot. That's what, all right, cool. Um, the Zords. Yeah. I was never, I mean, the Zords weren't the reason I watched the show growing up. It was, like I said, the martial arts scene. So the Zords were just cool. I had the actual figures and stuff. So putting them together, I was like, I know it looks cool. Dinosaurs are awesome. Um, so robot dinosaurs that, you know, combine that's sweet. This one, I think they missed a little bit of, I think the colors should have been more vibrant on. So you could see which ones were, which I do like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Patrick's idea of it melting together and coming out as this deformed thing would have been pretty awesome, actually. Um, but I also wish we would just would have gotten a, a damn scene of them just combining, like showing the all the pieces going in together and then locking together. I'd have been fine with that, too. So to me, it was like Patrick said, it was fine. And sometimes fine is fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Go so, ahead, Scott. <laughs> no, no, because like, like you, you're both making some assumptions here. You're not entirely wrong, but I actually don't mind the suits. Like the suits they wear looked fine. I go back and forth on them, or, or I did, should I say? It's not. I don't really give this film a lot of thought. But I, I, when it first came out, I didn't like the way they looked, but I liked the way that they had tried to take the aesthetics of the original suits and rework them into something realistic basically because that is what is like you said the driving force of this film is like how do we make this look more grounded and realistic i do remember everybody complaining that they just look like five iron man suits repurposed and i think that is a fair criticism that i remember having didn't have it as much this time around because there's a lot more mcu films now to sort of go well actually not really i however can't stand the helmets but I've seen other designs that were originally going to be used for this film, like concept art and CGI renders from the companies that, that did this film. And they had another design. I can't find it and it wouldn't matter for people listening because they couldn't see it anyway. But it is out there somewhere. And they were much closer in terms of their helmet designs to the originals. And for me, you can basically rework the suits to your heart's content because all they really are in the original is their baseline color and three white diamonds on the chest i don't care what you do with the suits as long as there's some kind of similarities but what makes them identifiable and different aside from the colors is the helmets that should it to some degree look recognizable from a distance as to what they are supposed to be and they don't in this film the, the girls helmets do but all three of the guys Nah, couldn't tell you what they're supposed to be. And that's, again, that's just me. It's, it doesn't bother me enough to be worried about it because as you said, you only see them in their helmets for, cause I counted it about a minute and 50 seconds before they open up and go, look, we're here. It's us. We've got faces. And then they never close them up again. Cause after that, they just, I, I'm like, why even bother giving them helmets? Like, you know, it just felt it's the same, uh, complaint, uh, that, I have in general that you guys have sort of mentioned, but not, which is that before I talk about the Zords, when they finally morph, they fight the putties on the cliff and they fight the putties on the cliff for 38 seconds before Zack comes in with the Mastodon and shoots them. That is the only time we see them do any martial arts in the entire film, because all the other stuff when they're training is just them throwing punches. There's no actual martial arts there. Even from the one that allegedly knows martial arts, which is Trini in this version of the film. Because Jason and Zack don't know martial arts. Zack, we don't really know what he does, and Jason's a football player. Like, in the original show, both of them were black belts in a form of martial arts. And the fact that they kind of took that away from them, and Kim's uh, not shown to be a gymnast in this one, it was kind of like, well, now you have to spend so much more time building them up to the same skill level that they were always at originally. And... You finally give us this sequence where they morph, which, like you say, we've been waiting all film for, and then it's over. Like, J Jason even forms the power sword out of nowhere, which is, like, part of his arm in this version, but then it's not at the end, but I'll get to that. And then it's, it's just done. Like, oh, there's too many of them, and then he busts in with the Mastodon, and then they get in their swords. And it's like, that was kind of disappointing, even though I knew from memory that that is a very short scene, but... The, as I sent to you guys uh, before we started recording, there was a much longer version of that sequence originally, 
And I know that the stunt guys, like Aaron Tony, worked on the the film for doing the previs. They did so much more work that just wasn't used because that wasn't what this film wanted to focus on. It wanted to focus on the teenage angst aspect. It wanted to focus on their problems, and that's fine. Like that's what this film chose to focus on. Uh, I can't stand the fucking Zords. That will surprise absolutely no one. Um, when they're in their individual forms, in terms of their design, I don't actually mind them, with the exception of the Mastodon, because someone needs to go back to school and learn how many legs that goddamn Mastodon had. But that's, uh, you know, everyone has said that, so that's fine. And you're right, Austin St. John and most of the cast, in fact, don't like the Zords, uh, whether it's the way they look, whether it's their size. And I will agree with the size, but but for a slightly different reason. They're all too small, yes, but... The fact that the T-Rex is the same size as the Mastodon and the Triceratops and the Sabertooth makes no sense. Uh, mostly because that's one of the reasons why the Megazord can't form properly. Because the T-Rex is the base that all the rest attach to. So if it's the same size as all the others, it could never actually ch- turn into the right design. And yeah, when it, when it forms the Megazord or the Mamazord, however you want to call it, to me it just looks awful. Um, it's just a, it has no color. It's just a big CGI humanoid blob. And considering, as you said, Godzilla was out, Pacific Rim was out, the Avengers had come out. There's no excuse for why that thing looks so poor. And there's no attempt to match the silhouette of the original Megazord in any way, shape or form. And a lot of people have said, well, that doesn't matter. And I understand, like, if you're not a, a fan of the show, then yeah, you won't care. But uh, a comparison that I would say is if they made a Voltron film or another Transformers film and they made the Voltrons, but some designer said, you know what? I don't really feel lions. I'm going to make them five seahorses. It's still Voltron because I say it's still Voltron. But is it still Voltron? Because you've just entirely changed the design. And I like Optimus Prime. I really do. But come on, trucks? Nah, man, let's make him a Humvee. That's where it's at. We can get some good sponsorship money from that. It's still Optimus Prime, though. I said it is. Is it, though? Technically, they did change it. They did change it. It was like a Mack truck in the cartoon, and it was a Peterbilt. And people, I do remember some people who were nerdier than I being upset about that. I was just like, who, who the fuck cares, dude? Like, well, I mean, yeah, I have things but... to care about. That's just a weird thing to care about. I was driving to work yesterday. Sorry, I have to throw this in there. I was driving to work, and I passed this old truck going super slow on the road. And when I get in front, I look in my mirror and it's a red truck with a silver grill. And I was like, holy shit, it's Optimus Prime driving down the road next to me. I was trying to get my phone, but I'm like, no, don't crash. You're in a company car. <laughs> but I was just like, I called my concern my isn't wife. the company car was what stopped you from doing that. Like, I feel like just well, no, the preservation of your continued to live. I don't want to hurt people. <laughs> yes, no, that was the main thing. But it was also like, crap, there could be a lot of problems here. But I was just like, so I'm sitting there, I'm like, Optimus Prime. Road up his prime road. I was like, and it was huge, but I was like, man, it took me back immediately. And there's some designs that just stand out. And I would be remiss if I didn't say, and because it's low hanging fruit, because you said it so many times. So the size of the Zords matter in this case. It's not how well you use them, it's the size of the Zords that matter. <laughs> it, it depends on your point of view, because <laughs> I, I know the joke you're making, but obviously. I, it, they kind of change how they use them in this film it's because a one joke. of the biggest a dick joke. Thank you. One of the biggest changes that they made is that they don't know that the Zords can combine. Like that takes Rita by surprise. It takes them by surprise. 
we don't actually see what Rita, uh, sorry, what Zordon and Alpha think of that. But in the original show, obviously that's just standard. That's just something that they can do. Uh, so they don't really need much, most of the time to fight them as individual Zords. So they gave them weapons. They did have weapons in the original, but they weren't like guns. They weren't sat there firing them like machine guns. So, you know, the, the whole purpose for them has changed. And you're right. They did change the Optimus Prime truck, but then Megatron turned into a hand pistol in the original cartoon. So, you know, they've kind of changed the Transformers over time a few times, depending on which iteration of Transformers you're talking about. But my point or was when you're trying to sell, sell toys and parents don't want their kids buying a, a toy that a robot that turns into a gun that you can point at your, your brother and sister. <laughs> yeah. The first potatoes, if I remember correctly. Like, you could put little bits of potato in and it would fire them. Well, also, it has been fucking weird. Like, it's like, it's like if it's... Cause like, they're all vehicles. And that's why I always thought... Like, I, okay, I didn't think it was weird as a child because I didn't know any better. But as an adult, I'm like, why were, like... It was like Starstream was a plane. And, like, it was like all this shit. But it's like Megatron's a gun. I'm like, how the fuck does that... Like, I mean, I guess... Um, Soundwave was also just like... Yeah. Player. I guess that is fair. So I guess it just didn't make any goddamn well, think sense whatsoever. Megatron but turned, like, turned that is kind of a weird gun, thing. So, yeah. so one of his fellow Decepticons could sh- use him to fire at somebody. If I, if memory serves me correct. Oh, right. No, I get oh, that. But like, weird. it's just a weird <laughs> fucking thing. We're just <laughs> like, why is he not self-sufficient? Uh, uh, he should be making other people turn into guns. He could use them. You're yes. the leader. I'm, I'm going to be that annoying person now and say, much like Power Rangers, the answer is, is because it came from Japan. And... <laughs> Transformers as a whole is made up of several different Japanese shows. So I'm pretty confident, I could be wrong, Transformers isn't my strong point, but I'm pretty sure Megatron and Optimus come from completely different source materials, which is why they're, they don't make any sense when you put them next to each other. It's like they shouldn't actually, in Japan, they don't come from the same place. And obviously, I think they were originally like adapted by Marvel Comics because the comics that came with those original figures predates the cartoon, right? Yes, it does. Yep. Yes, and actually, the reason, like, I will, the one thing I will add to this is the person who came up with the name Optimus fucking Prime wasn't fucking in there, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, was Denny O'Neill? Rest in peace. Absolute legend. Um, one thing I was going to add when you talked about uh, uh, Voltron, my ears peak because as a kid, I love Voltron. Even the vehicular one, but that one should show anybody who is wanting to change a classic design to try to change it for the sake of changing it. Shit don't work sometimes because <laughs> as cool as Voltron is, you take five lions and turn it into 12 little vehicles. It just doesn't have the same effect. And you take cool, like, you know, so anybody who listens to this is going to be making a movie. If they ever make Voltron, you stick with the lions. You don't make them seahorses. You don't make them 12 vehicles. They're lions. So yes. I mean, to be fair, though, I will say to your point and actually to Scott's point where it's like, I do understand where you're coming from, because I remember um, when I was a child and like the Batman movies were out because like, um, the original 89 Batman came out was six. And because that movie, like I would already seen like the uh, show, like the, the Adam West show with my dad. And like so like I already liked Batman a lot. So by the time it came out, I was really into it and I loved it so much. And like it led to me reading comics my whole life. 
like because I remember like, I remember that's why like, when I first got like the Joker Batman tattoos and people were like oh there's no meaning I'm like no there is meaning like, I could tie so much of my life back to that and then like when I tried to rewatch uh Batman 89 as an adult as somebody who had read the comics his entire <laughs> life it made me want to take my own life like it was like I was just like I can't fucking handle this like I was like this is so far off the fucking mark from what these fucking from what this character is and it pissed me off to no end like i hated that movie for so long and i hated the joel schumacher movies for so long and i was desperate desperate for like it's, like, it's literally like when christopher nolan did batman begins the reason i still i always talk about the movie with such reverence and i've mentioned this before in my life but like it's like literally like he opened up my head like the head key and lock and key where it's just like what do you think a batman movie should look like and they literally just made it like it was just like it was exactly what i always pictured and once i got this thing that I always wanted and it was what I exactly what I pictured. It made me so much more accepting of like, I was like, okay, cool. Tim Burns movie can exist. Joel Schumacher movies can exist. Like the 66 show can exist. All of this can exist because I've gotten this perfect thing. So it's like, I also, I get the perspective of people who were like seeing this movie and not willing to like, is like, in like have that inherent fandom and were like, not only disappointed, but angry. Like, it's like, I, I, I do get it. Like, it is something that, like, I'm not dismissing that because, like, I have felt that. I'm just, I can only speak for myself in that I didn't have as much attachment to this, so I was willing to accept, like, basically just Breakfast Club with Kaiju fights, but, like, I completely get people being upset about it. Like, See, I get my, it. My it does make sense. with this film, it, I, if it was just Breakfast Club with really cool Kaiju fights and martial arts fights, I probably would like this film, even if the Zord designs aren't my favorite. It wouldn't be enough to uh, dissuade it from me, because this film had a um, a follow-up comic book called Power Rangers Aftershock, which actually kind of basically gave people what they wanted uh, from memory. And there was a mobile game as well, which is still going, uh, which spawned a console game, Battle for the Grid. Uh, so the, the influence of this film is still kind of out there and still kind of going. But for me, the Kaiju fight sucks. And as I've already said, the martial arts stuff is like you can time it in seconds. Um, and when I say the Kaiju fight sucks, that isn't me exaggerating. Like you said, Pacific Rim and Godzilla were already out and there were so many other big films out there. And I didn't want it to be like Pacific Rim. I will stress, I love the Pacific Rim films, both of them. But it works for Pacific Rim, these big, slow, really, really slow, heavy mechs. But the Zords were never slow. They were quite quick because they were fighting monsters that didn't suffer from that problem of being these huge, heavy, slow things. I mean, I will say, though, um, you're not wrong. Because I definitely think that is, a, that is a thing that I yeah, have. Yeah, go, go, uh, Goldar was like, what Goldar, I was going to lead to then. Is I, like, it was like, when it's just like, everything is so like, and I was like, I get it. Like what they're doing, just trying to do, like, again, it's the realistic thing of like, something that big isn't going to necessarily move that fast. And I'm like, but at the same time, if I'm willing to buy the giant creature oh, made of please, gold, please vomit, don't, because I couldn't. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying, if I'm like, my suspension of disbelief is such that I'm willing to buy the giant monster made of gold vomit, then like, I am willing to buy that creature is somewhat quick. Like, I was like, it's like, and like, that, like, it, that would have that would have not bothered me. I feel like. But I also understand their jumping off point being like, no, man, we're trying to do this absolutely real. And I'm like, yeah, but 
you're not like because it's like who it's a, it's a giant fucking gold vomit creature fighting like fucking robot dinosaurs like what the like, what, what what the fuck is real about this like so it's like yeah. just give and, me the and, ridiculousness and, like that's know, fine not to go too far off the point but goldar is a disgrace in this film uh and i'm quite happy to say that i i love rita but i detest with a passion that they made her a singular entity with no backup, no help, because they clearly couldn't make up their mind what they wanted to do with her, because she's, in this version of canon, she is the Green Ranger, but she's also not, because obviously she still has her staff, and she can clearly still do some magic, even if it's not on the same scale as the original show, and she then seems to use that to use the coin to boost her powers because she can't make putties for example until she basically rebuilds her staff and then puts the coin in it but to me that kind of like causes more problems than it needed to because now basically they're saying she isn't powerful without the coin and the fact that she needs the coin to power the staff but she has powers without the staff it's like i'm very confused as to what exactly rita is in this version but by taking away a Goldar that actually has, you know, sentient ability to talk and do shit on his own, not giving her a Finster, not giving her a Squaw, not giving her a Babu. Yes, it made her more of a threat and she got to be more serious, but it also kind of lost that element that she was a much bigger threat than this film made her out to be. Yes, she's going to wipe out all life and it's going to be bad times, but realistically, she can only do that because they gave the Zeo Crystal is like a big giant off switch for the planet. Whereas if that didn't exist, well, what could she realistically do? She could smash and sit with Goldar. Oh, I'm terrified. You know? You also miss the the classic uh, ultimate baddie who doesn't do their own fighting. And she could, for seven movies, she could keep sending a new bad creature every goddamn movie. And Rita doesn't have to get, have to get bitch slapped into space. (laughs) Which was, I was, I totally forgot about that. And I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? They did that. I was like, ugh. Well, again, it is well they're the doing that the i think they're setting yeah. it up to be like i know the whole, still, like, so i'm like seriously exactly. like she yeah. deserves so much more because uh, uh elizabeth banks really brought it in that role she was hilarious she was over the top zany i think they had a certain version of what they wanted and she said no i'm doing this <laughs> and i can just picture the the, the, the director like you got to play it because it's that classic trope of the villain coming back and having to build their power back up and so she's slowly killing these people taking gold to, no, if that's the case, just go to the jewelry store and eat all the jewelry there. Like, you don't have to kill all these people to do it. But it also added some scary elements to it. But she's evil. I get she's it. She's evil, I Andy. She's I, evil, I, I think as well, because I like the way they play Rita when they first introduced her this, uh, as, like, this horror creature. Because she's basically just, like, a, a dried-up corpse at the bottom of the ocean. Um, and I think the reason, like, why she doesn't just go to the jewelry store is because her brain isn't all there. I think she's just acting purely on instinct in the beginning, which is why it kind of works. But then, like you said, she gets bitch slapped into space, but they don't kill her. They freeze her up there and they've already established that she could survive being frozen and decaying. So in my opinion, she was just sitting up there until one of the sequels fished her back down. Um, And then, you know, I always assumed they were going to like do the like the after 5,000 years, I'm free. Like, what is, like, it's like, I was just like, I assume they, they're basically going to do that like in part two or part three. Um, but like the thing I was going to say actually is like, okay, other people probably will not agree with me on this. Um, 
But Elizabeth Banks, I feel like we actually would have been a pretty good director for this um, by virtue of the fact that like, and not a lot of people I don't think have affection for it. I've never really heard anybody talk say. about it. But um, <laughs> the movie she made, The Charlie's Angels, is, is, is it's fun. It's not, I'm not saying it's a great film, but it's fun. And it's more like vibe wise, what I would expect from Power Rangers than like what we ultimately got. So I was like, I don't think she would have been the worst choice if they actually had her direct it in addition to being the uh, Rita yeah, Repulsa. Fact, great piece. films have Naomi Scott in. Oh, right. I thought when she got slapped and went into space, when I was sitting in the theater for the first time, I was like, oh, this is how she gets to the moon. Because <laughs> in the, yeah. garden, you know, the old show, I was like, okay, she's got a base on the moon. And I was like, oh, no. It's well, see, that's the thing. Like, uh, I don't want it, this entire episode to just be me ranting about the lore because again, like when I watched this film, I went in with an open mind. Like back in 2017, I knew this was all going to be different to the original show, but you, you just kind of hit what I think a lot of people's problems were is everybody knows the basic premise of Power Rangers. Rita is on the moon after 10,000 years. She's free. It's time to conquer Earth. Like that's literally what she screams at the start of every episode. And the film don't do that. The film goes, now actually, it was 65 million years ago, which completely fucks everything up from the word go. And all of that stuff never happens, which is fine to do their own thing, but it does kind of handicap them into, okay, well, now what? Because you kind of don't have any of that history that they established originally. Because in the original version, Zordon wasn't gone. He was trapped in the time warp and Rita was trapped in the dumpster. They both defeated each other in the past. But in this version, Zordon's dead. So he's not been watching over Earth this whole time. And somehow Alpha has managed to exist for 65 million years, not degrade in any way, shape or form. And. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. You, you, you're muted. Sorry, I think you you understand how alien robots work. I'm sorry, I didn't know that we all knew how alien robots worked and how they how well they function and degraded. I didn't know. I'm sorry. No, I no, no. I, was, I get I your point, but enough. at the same time, find me anything on Earth that can live that long. I mean, he was using a little he was in a little spaceship. He's he's he's, he's all and plus he can be he can be cocooned. You don't know. You don't know. He's he, he, they don't they don't they don't answer those questions. I didn't ask those questions, so it's fine. Like I don't know. I. I get what you're saying, but it's again, it's just the, it's the, the various things that I'm like, I don't know. I doesn't bother me, but I understand like why it would bother you. It's like, for me, it's like, I do think the thing that like does kind of work about the whole like idea of it being like 65 million years ago of like that the way they, they yeah. use that to explain the Zords. Cause like, they don't really explain that in the show ever, which is fine. But it's like, yeah, they're 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 dinosaurs and a woolly mammoth for some reason. Like it's just like it's like prehistoric creatures. Um, but they don't really tell you why. And then it's like they like change it with the Thunderzords. They like don't really tell you why, other than it's just like this is the way it is. It's like okay, and you go with it. But it's like that's my kind of my thing with like the thing of like uh, Alpha and like in like the um, then like Zordon being trapped in like limbo and like all that shit. It was like. I'm willing to buy it just by virtue of the fact that like it was never something that was super to me at least like clear in the original show. So it's like it doesn't bother me if you modify that. Like personally, I can only speak for myself. But it for doesn't me, it doesn't bother, bother me that they modified it. Me. As I say, it was just the fact that 
I was going off of what Andy was saying. It's like, how does she get to the moon? Well, she doesn't in this version because the moon doesn't exist. And it's like, I don't know if you if you noticed it, Patrick, but when they go down to um to Billy's basement for the first time, uh, when Jason's having his ankle tag removed, on the did you see what was sitting behind Jason in Billy's like racks? Okay, you have told me this <laughs> twice now, and I have not noticed it either. Goddamn time! I've watched this movie recently. I even tried. I was like, oh yeah. The little like the the little the I the yeah, so, sidekicks who came back. Behind, um, I was uh, like, they're back there. behind Jason. There are figures of Finster Squat and Babu from the original show, which is their only appearance in the in the film because obviously their characters don't exist in this version. But yeah, they are there in the background. They're out of focus. They're never actually put into focus. So yeah, they're not the easiest things to spot. If like, but the fact that you didn't see them the second time, I'm finding quite funny. That said, there's I'm a lot sorry. of stuff I don't like about this film from a point of view of ranting. However, we could spend three hours talking about that stuff, but there are plenty of things that I do like about this film as well. I like the way that they find the command center, even though, like I said, the whole 65 million years thing, that is what it is. I liked Zordon, his character actually having an arc, so to speak, was kind of nice. In that he starts off as a bit of an asshole, and then by the end of the film, he's basically turned into the Zordon of the show because of one specific event that happens uh, later in the film. But before we get to that, we all kind of mentioned the fact that these teenagers love to be angsty. So I'm just curious, what is your guys' favorite scene in the entire film? Uh, Andy, you first. Oh, jeez. Okay. Yeah, first off, and first off, wasn't it back in the old show it was teenagers with attitude? Correct. Right? Which none of those none of those teenagers had any attitude whatsoever. They were the nicest, most easygoing friends in the world. So my favorites I honestly really like the scene where uh I mean we'll get to it eventually, and spoilers for those of you that haven't seen a movie that we're talking about already, but where uh they all finally come together over the fact that, you know, that they wish they could have given their life instead of, of Billy. That's a right. scene that really okay. stood out to me. And I was like, oh, okay, I like that. Um, I also do like the little quick fight scene where uh, Jason goes and saves his dad, you know, because you get mm -hmm. to see some martial arts there too. Five and a half seconds worth, but still five and a half seconds more than what we could have gotten. Um, but yeah, in terms of the teenage angst, I like that. And I like Billy... Um, dragging Jason to the quarry for the first time, just because it's very, you know, fun dialogue. They have actually pretty good um, uh, chemistry together, too. Those two actors played off each other really well. So those are my two. Um, my thing is uh, actually, because like, it's funny, because it's kind of like, um, this is just like a quick thing. But like, I remember like when um, I was talking to my brother once about Terminator, and I said my favorite scene in Terminator was um the scene be there were the two scenes of like the one with uh sarah connor and kyle reese in the uh tunnel and then the one in them uh in the hotel room and just the that kind of the dialogue was great my brother was like what the fuck is wrong with you it's the fucking terminator man like the best part is like the fucking robot like crawling and trying to kill her i'm like that's i'm not saying it's not awesome it's just not what i think of when i think of that movie but it's the kind of same thing with this where it's like when i think of power rangers it's like the this movie the first thing I think of is like the campfire scene where it's like they all kind of like get to know each other and become like, I, guess I'm like, I still think like that's where, even though I still think they, they kind of overstated, there was a whole thing before the movie came out 
of like um, Trini being like the first like gay or bisexual like uh, superhero. And I was just like, they kind of maybe imply that, but like that's a reach. Um, but like mostly it's just like the, 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 the angst, like it's just like this, I don't know, it's like them dealing with like, it's like it's the breakfast club scene. Like it's like the, them all sitting around the like thing in the breakfast club. Basically the whole third act of the breakfast club is basically them sitting in that circle talking about like what brought them there at their darkest moments. And it's kind of the same thing where it's like the like them just sitting in a circle talking about like kind of what is there. And the thing that I think of most, the first thing I think of is um, when Zach is talking about um, his mom is basically slowly dying. And the reason he is the way he is, is basically because like there's going to come a point where she is just gone and he can't deal with that. So he's basically doing this shit to distract himself from like what is going to inevitably happen. And it's like this really bit of like wonderful, like dark, like pathos. And I'm like, granted, it's weird that it exists in a Power Rangers movie, but like, it's, I think really good. Like, I think it's all of that is really well done. I think, like, I think that again, I think that like the whole cast, I think for like, they're definitely exponentially, and I don't mean this as an insult, but I was like, they're exponentially better actors than anyone that's ever probably played a Power Ranger ever before. Like they all like managed to like bring this like really kind of beautiful I don't know how to put this but like beautiful like sadness and darkness like that actually I can only speak for myself I mean Andy's most positive person in the world maybe it didn't exist for him I don't know but like uh like that is being a teenager of like this is fucking intense goddamn sadness all the fucking time and like they nail that fucking hard they they, they get that perfect in my mind like it's like it feels like what it feels like to be a kid in that like that scene like they're like what it feels like when like because before that's kind of the performative aspect of being a kid where it's just like everybody's kind of playing parts like that are their things where it's like kimberly now trying to be like because she was the popular girl and now she's like the weird girl so like she's like doing like rebellious things and like (laughs) yeah and like Zach, like whatever, but it's like all of that kind of breaks down in that scene of like who they really are as people, and I think it's really actually really interesting. And again, it's maybe it's out of place, but I think it works beautifully for me. In terms uh, of no, I movie. agree. That's my favorite scene in the film too, and I think it's it's very easy to make judgments about where they're taking the characters, and I think that's what a lot of people did in the first half of the film. Like these are the new versions of the characters, they're all basically, as you said, depressing, angsty teens. But actually, they're not. Underneath it all, they all have some actual genuine reasons for being the way they are. You know, uh, a lot of praise was given to the film because not only was, as you said, a lot of noise made about the fact that Trini is uh, the first bisexual superhero, but uh, Billy's on the spectrum, which in all honesty make complete sense given the way he was in the original show you could easily make the same argument at least in the first season as it went on they did kind of normalize him and i use that word very loosely but a lot of that had more to do with the actor playing him than anything else but trini's whole thing of just wanting to be seen and listened to i mean jesus christ her mum in the film if that was one of my parents i'm could genuinely say I would never have returned home after I left because, oh my God, she is just, I don't even know how to describe her. But yeah, 
if she had to put up with her all of her life, I could definitely see why she's the way she is. And as you say, the scene with Zach works perfectly. But I also like the fact that Kimberly and Jason don't share, which again, some people miss because that's always remembered as the scene where they all bond. It's like it's not because Kim and Jason still aren't willing to let go of the shit that they have, uh, especially Jason, because he doesn't even want to admit it to himself, which is the bit that I missed the first time, but I picked up on on rewatches is like he himself can't really come to terms with the fact that he's being this bad boy has kind of screwed everything up. And that's what leads to him doing it again and convinces them all to go up and fight Rita when they ain't ready to do that. And it backfires and obviously Billy dies. But I like the fact that for Kimberly, they left, they actually gave her something genuinely bad that she had done in her history. That wasn't just a case of, oh, you know, it wasn't that bad and you're sorry. And it's like, no, it's kind of much worse than that. And he's just like, well, fucking own it then. You did it. You know that you shouldn't have done it and you feel horrific for it, but it's, it's done now. You've just got to kind of move on and live with the fact that some people are going to not ever like you for it, but you can't change it, you know? And there's an awful lot of people that are probably in that position where, yeah, it's just, just saying sorry doesn't automatically make everything go back to normal, you know? Oh, definitely. As, as a parent, it's, uh, it's, it's nice to to hear those things because I've had many talks with my kids where I'm like, look, you did something stupid. We've all done stupid, but that, that stupid stuff doesn't define you moving forward. You're not tied to that your entire life. So you don't have to sit there and dwell on it because that's not going to do you any good. But don't forget about it because somebody else still might be hurt by it. So you just have to prove to them that, hey, I'm not this this person. And you're right. They might never like you. Okay. At least you've done the right thing by trying to make it right and by not doing that same shit again. So, yeah, that scene when I was first like my initial watch, I was like, oh, man, Kimberly's terrible. But then you're like, no, she's not terrible. She was just hurt and she lashed out. And that's what people do. And it's nice that those kind of realistic stuff find ways into these movies when that's the kind of realism we need. We don't need realism with our our monsters and fantastical stuff. The realism comes from the human interactions. Then when they put on the suits, goddammit, let them fight and let them have fast kaijus. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that That is 100% right. And the other thing as well is obviously it, it leads into the scene where Rita uh, essentially torments Trini in, in her house, which is a great sequence because, like you say, A, it gives Becky G something to do because Tr- Trini and Zach don't get a whole lot. We also get to see more Elizabeth Banks, but the other thing that I, I made a note of, well, number one is how her parents that are like super like overbearing don't hear the fact that she's being smashed into the wall and like nearly being thrown through it. But we'll, we'll ignore that. We'll, we'll, we'll look over that. But the other thing I made a note of that I hadn't really thought of, because obviously I was saying about how her powers work is when she tries to change into her green ranger powers, it doesn't really look like it succeeds like it's sort of half there but not like she was at the beginning of the film where it's full armor and it occurred to me and i I made a note of this is i'm actually wondering if rita makes a big deal about the fact of who's worthy who's not worthy she won't be judged i don't actually think the green powers respond to her anymore and i think that's the reason she needs the staff because she's forcing the green coin to still work for her whereas in reality because the coins have this weird sort of sentience where they decide if they're going to work for you or not, 
Rita ain't worthy anymore because she betrayed him. And again, that's me putting all that on the film. I have no idea if that was part of their original thought process, but I like that idea that she's actually forcing the coin to still work for her because she's not fucking worthy. She's pure evil. Like you say, she's killing people left, right, and center just to get their gold teeth, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, I, I never thought about that. That is actually really cool. I do like that idea a lot. Cause I mean, I, and then that's the thing is like, cause we talked about it before. It's like, the, it's like they had that plan. And I'm like, I'm genuinely curious. Like what, like I wish that like, when they did shit like this, I do wish they would at least release like what the plan was. Like if you're not gonna do it anymore, just so I'm just like curious, like where you were going to go with it. Cause like, I, I always find that like fascinating when they do that. Or we're just like, oh yeah, we were going to do like, like, I mean, clearly it's obvious. Like, in the case of, like, Amazing Spider-Man, like, they were clearly going to do Sinister Six the next one because they were, like, they, like, spent, like, the entire goddamn thing being, like, oh, hey, look, there's a whole uh, little prison of uh, the supervillains here. Hey, look, and this is what they look like. Hey, hey you're going to see it soon. But, like, this case, it was, like, there's really no way to know what was planned and what wasn't. So, like, I don't know if that's was part of it, but I do think that is a cool idea. I'm, I have heard, and I, again, I don't know if this is like what's real and what isn't, but I had heard that they were going to yeah. use like Lord Zed in the sequel. Um, and I was like, that I think is a cool idea, I, even though I don't have a fuck you. Like, remember, even like when that came out when I was like 12, I was like, so, and I don't think this is not an insult, I think his design is awesome. But I was like, so you basically did Freddy Krueger in a children's show. That's fucking weird but all right that's fine <laughs> like i was just like i mean apparently it didn't fuck up that many children but like i was like i do remember seeing it being like holy shit i was like probably like 12 when that came out and i was just like jesus christ like, they, they, they like they have a full-blown like burn victim guy who's in like the tiniest amount of clothing like mecca clothing just like so you just see all of his horrible fucking scarring and that's just fine so like, i'm curious how they would have done that realistically because i'm like i feel like that would have scarred everyone who saw it for fucking life they did like a realistic version well, they, of Lord they, Zed they the have a throwaway line from rita where she basically tries to warn them that um somebody else is coming and they basically said that that was lord zed she was talking about um but i don't know if their plan was to have him be like the next film or if he was going to be their version of thanos and just constantly be the one in the shadows until eventually he shows up at the end uh, obviously, we will never know what what was obvious because I'm assuming that you both saw the after credits sequence for this. Is that the next film was obviously going to be the Green with Evil saga, but it does beg the question of how they were going to do that. I actually do think I had I heard a thing that I mean I don't know if it's I I don't know if it's legit or not, but I did hear they were going to make um, Tommy uh, Oliver so female. Um, which actually I thought was really interesting. Like, I was just like, because that's like kind of the whole thing with uh, Power Rangers, like at least in the first gen, like the Mighty Morphin era, is it's like, it's not balanced. Like, it's like, it's three dudes and two girls. And I was like, if you did like three and three, I was like, that would be, that would be kind of cool and interesting, I think. But like, a lot of people were like freaking out about it, where it's like, no, you can't change that. I'm like, but you To be fair, can. Like, regardless why of my like, thoughts of, on him, he is the most popular character of the show by far, so changing him would be very brave if they did. My recollection is that there were no plans by Saban to change him to anything other than what he was in the original show, because he, he, Tommy is the moneymaker, but the cast wanted Tommy to be female because they were very much hyping up the fact that that would make it balanced and 
that that the show was about diversity and that they you know they were a multi-ethnic group and obviously they changed black from black to be asian and made black blue uh which did not go unnoticed <laughs> but um yeah, I, I don't honestly care because it was such a different take on Power Rangers. If they'd made Tommy a girl, cool. If they didn't, I wasn't too fussed. There was a, there was like a short film on YouTube where somebody basically like made himself the Green Ranger and he was Indian because there's never like at the time, I don't think there had ever been an Indian Ranger. So they were always like, you know, everyone tells us that they're, they're really diverse. So show me the way the Indian Rangers are at sort of thing, you know? And that, that was kind of cool because again, he ma managed to make a Green Ranger costume that, that fitted this, this film. Um, there's also another series of short films that are really worth watching called Power Rangers Unworthy, where they do make Tommy a girl and balance out the team. But yeah, uh, that, that whole thing has a, it could be an episode in and of itself. But yeah, that, that idea of, tr of basically trying to make it three, three guys and three girls is, very much an ongoing debate that I have no real interest in. I couldn't care less. I just, you know, if it was interesting, do it. And if you're just doing it for the sake of it, I'm like, that's cool too. But like, what are you actually going to do with that? Are you still going to then have Tommy get with Kimberly or is it going to be with Jason now? Or like, what? There's so much stuff around that. Cause my thought was always they clearly hinted that Kim and Jason were into each other in this film and. Because yep. they're impossibly pretty, and of course and they're gonna they, fuck. Go ahead. There was a whole love angle, like there was a relationship that was filmed, and it was cut because test audiences didn't like it for whatever reason. Um, they were like, "Oh, it, it detracts from their individual stories." Obviously, having never seen it, we will never know. But my thought and worry was that the second Tommy shows up, he would be a dude, and Kim would like him, but Jason would like him. And we'd get a Twilight love triangle that would go on for five fucking films. That was my horror, but expected route that they would take. <laughs> team Tommy. Team, team Tommy. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, to that point, give me a good story first and foremost. Then you can work in all the other little elements that make things. So if, you're, if your story sucks, I don't care how great your message is. Nobody's going to watch it. So you have to have a great story first. Then you can start peppering in all of your things that you want to get across, and then I'm I'm all I'm all in. It's but if your story sucks, I'm gonna be like, well, good try. See you next time. So, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like you were saying about the 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 scene where they fight Rita. It's probably one of the best fights in the film, even though they don't have their powers. And I think it really sucks that they don't get a rematch once they do morph, because Rita kicks their ass and like. She demonstrates she's really good at physical fighting because you know, she was a ranger on Zordon's team. And then we, they, they never do anything with that. It's like, come on, you, you keep setting up for a cool, like payoff at the end. And then the end comes and it just doesn't deliver. But speaking of having a good story and then peppering on the extra stuff, so there's one aspect of this film that we have not talked about in the slightest. And I've been really, really looking forward to uh, taking the piss out of it. And that is another name that we could give this film was Krispy Kreme, the movie. Krispy Kreme! Where is the Krispy Kreme? Because Jesus Christ, if you want to talk about I corporate mean... sponsorship, Krispy Kreme <laughs> must have given them a lot of money for that one. 
you're not wrong. I'm not going to argue that you're wrong. However, there have been, okay, I'm not going to say more or less egregious because there's there's tons, but I was like, that is literally just the way shit is at this point where it's like fucking, I remember like James Bond stopped having an Aston Martin when I was a kid uh, for the uh, for the Brosnan era. So we had the BMW sponsorship. Um, and then like you have like the Transformers things where they had to deal with GMC, where they're all like GMC cars and trucks. So it's like, I will not argue that like the fact that like they make a big deal about Krispy Kreme is like egregious, like corporate whatever. But I was like, it's hard to like make fun of for me because like at this point with fucking way, the way corporations are like, what, what am I going to say? <laughs> like, it's just like, it's all kind of the same fucking thing where it's like every fucking corporation wants to get their shit in. Like, I remember like when Avengers like was coming out, like Avengers Infinity War, there was like fucking like weird tie-ins with like car insurance and fucking like, I was like, I don't understand what the fuck is happening. Like why, like why, why, why is this a thing? So it's like, I do think the Krispy Kreme thing is kind of stupid, but like, it's not, it doesn't take me out of the movie any more or less than like various other stupid corporate. I, I think for me, I, I gen- normally, I genuinely would agree with that, but I'm sure there are examples out there of it, but most corporate sponsorships, like you say, they, it's the cars, it's the equipment, it's the setting. Maybe it's a Diet Coke that the spirit of Bruce Lee brings with him. I don't know. It's not normally something that's part of the story of said film. I swear Krispy Kreme is said in this film more than two dozen times by each character, because not only is it somewhere that they go to, like at the start of the film, like it's their favorite hangout spot, they get tons of donuts from it, there's boxes of it everywhere. It's literally where the Zeo Crystal is buried and is a massive part. Of the final act of the film. <laughs> Rita screams it as she walks down the, uh, the road. I was dying with laughter in the cinema, as was everyone else when she did that, because it worked. I wanted a Krispy Kreme, but it's like, that's the main thing I remember people talking about after this film was them taking the mick out of how much Krispy Kreme is said in it. Like, no, nothing about the, the story was really talked about. It was all just Krispy Kreme. There's a part of me that likes how insane that is because it is like, look, we know you guys are are you know doing it to us. I don't need to see the Apple logo on your you know laptop, how it zooms in and then pans up to the person's face. Just having having somebody go Apple this, Apple that, Apple this, Apple that would be kind of hilarious. And I'm, I'm like, at least you're being honest about what you're doing. <laughs> you're upfront that Krispy Kreme paid you a shit ton of money to be in this movie. And you're giving them as much as they paid for. (laughs) But that's just the complete opposite side of that. That's just me playing devil's advocate or Krispy Kreme advocate. It honestly wouldn't surprise me. (laughs) It wouldn't surprise me if like it wasn't necessarily originally corporate sponsorship. It might have been literally just something they wrote. And then like Krispy Kreme saw it or heard about it. It was like, hey, like and like pounced on it. Cause like, I mean, again, like there's like, there's a million things in a million movies. I mean, I can't think of something specific off the top of my head, but like, they'll like, they'll do things like that where it's just like, I mean, Christ, I mean, it's in, granted they're, they're taking the piss out of it, but like it, it's, I mean, Christ, every four seconds in fucking Fight Club, they bring up like Starbucks or like whatever. And it's like, I'm sure they weren't probably getting money from Starbucks. It was just like them fucking making fun of Starbucks. 
but like it's still there and like it's so it's like i don't know necessarily i mean i'm sure i i know there were definitely some sort of corporate synergy remember like when power rangers came out there was like uh i don't have a krispy kreme i've never in my life had a krispy kreme like anywhere nearby me i i i I live in upstate new york it's all dunkin donuts um but um but like, I do remember there was like a bunch of promotion and shit in like comic books for like Christmas cream and like Power Rangers. So like I definitely know like Christmas cream latched onto it and they probably did like at a certain point get involved and probably give over some money. But I'm not sure if that was always the plan from Jump Street. I wasn't sure if it was like I don't, I don't know if it was like the BMW thing where it's like no, no, from like the like from the jump. <laughs> it's like BMW gave us a shit ton of money. So now goddamn James Bond is driving a goddamn yeah. BMW. Not so only that, they had to tell us the name of the model. But we we never got it before. They're like this is the Ashton Martin and they never said it because we knew how cool it was. But like this is, you know, this is the vanquish. I was like, oh god, let me guess, it's gonna go invisible. Fuck, it goes invisible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the other scene that I really like is the same one that you like, Andy, when uh, Zordon. But they all come close enough together to open the grid at last, and then they're all expecting Zordon to come through, and he disappears, and then obviously he comes back, and Billy resurrects essentially. And for me. Like when I was watching this in the cinema and like I watched this film like with uh, one of my friends who's also a big fan back in the day and I've seen this film with my dad. All of us that I've ever spoken to has said that's the moment where it was like they nailed Zordon for me. Like from that moment on, he talks like Zordon. He is Zordon because it's like my time has passed. And the idea that he would let a teenager die just so that he could essentially come back and have a rematch with Rita. uh, No. But the fact that he would sacrifice his only opportunity to do so and be stuck in a wall basically forever. Uh, yeah, that's that's Zordon, you know, that they nailed. I really like Brian Cranston's portrayal of him. Yeah. And, and I also like that he sees that just because I could come back doesn't mean that I should because my team failed and I did it wrong the first time. And I'm going to let this kid do the same thing. Like, no, I. Yeah. So you're right. That's an excellent scene that really a CG face sells a lot more than some other CG faces we've seen have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too, because there's, there's so much trivia like baked into this film that I'm not even going to go through it all, but there is one that I do want to call out. And that's purely because of its significance at some point in the film. Don't ask me uh, where it is. Cause again, sometimes I think they put the same clothes on, but uh, Trini is wearing a shirt that has 1973 on it. And I wouldn't expect any most people to know this, but 1973 is when the actress that originally played Trini was born, Tui Trang. And obviously the reason why I'm calling that out is because Tui unfortunately passed away in 2001. So the fact that they gave her like that little nod, like there's no way that was an accident. I'm kind of happy that they did that at the very least, you know? Yeah, that's that's cool, but also slightly irritating that it shows how deeply they were thinking about things, and then we didn't get some of these other elements of the story that we've been talking about. So, but I'm certainly thankful for her because her, those of us that grew up grew up watching it, I'm like, we talk about celebrity deaths hitting scene. That was one where I was just like, oh man, that really sucks. Like you don't think about it, but you're like, yeah, she was there for a couple years of my life, just watching TV after school. We're trying to rush home, trying to get homework done at school, so I didn't have to do it at home so I could watch Batman and Spider-Man and Power Rangers. So, yeah. 
No, I mean, it's like the thing, like, like I mentioned, the Christopher Nolan thing, where it's like, I remember that was the whole thing that they thought, like, um, when they were planning out, um, like, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises, was um, David Goyer was about, like, so we'll save this for blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no. He's like, we're going to use every idea that we have to make this movie, like Dark Knight, whatever, it's like to the best movie we possibly can. We're not going to do stuff like the hell, holding it back for like another movie. Um, and I was like, I do feel like more like people that are making stuff like this franchise seeds, if you will, should do because it's like, that's like, I do think that's really frustrating. Cause again, like the thing I talked about before, it's like, I really wish I knew what, what their plans were for like the next like five movies, like six movies. Like I genuinely would like to know because like you clearly had a roadmap. I would like to see that roadmap and just like where you were going to go from point A to point B to point C. Like it's like what now we never will, even though you talked about it, it's clearly you had something going on, which just sucks. It's just like all the stuff that's kind of like left unsaid and like, yeah, like Easter eggs are cool. Like the tweet, the tweet rang thing and like the little like figurines, like whatever. That's cool. But I was just like, give me Easter eggs. That's fine. Give me Easter eggs all day. But I was just like, as far as like giving me like holding shit back. Yeah. That drives me fucking insane. Where it's just like, I just want to like fucking like give me the best possible power rating movie with every fucking idea you have instead of like giving me this and then like being like, we're going to save this really cool thing for the next one. We're going to save this really cool thing for the third one. Like, no, (laughs) just fucking give me the thing right goddamn now. What the fuck is this bullshit? A prime example of that is Jason's power sword that comes out of nowhere on his arm. But then at the end of the film, he's holding it when he's not morphed and he puts it into the command center's like viewing globe and Zordon's like, oh, you know, you you should keep that. And Jason's like, no, it's fine. I'll come back for it. Now they talk like, us should have any fucking clue what they're going on about because we should have because apparently there was a whole storyline about that sword is only for the red ranger and the leader and it was zordon's sword and he gives it to jason after they morph but they just cut all of that but left in the bit where jason brings it back that makes no sense to me whatsoever I do get it just on the like on the um idea i guess that like you're making a power rangers movie so like theoretically your audience is kids and the movie is i mean i guess it's four quadrants so it's everybody but um but like presumably like, you're aiming it at kids and parents so it's like the fact that it's already two hours long i'm presuming they were like that was kind of like their hard out of like we're not doing a two and a half hour Power Rangers movie. We're not doing a three hour Power Rangers movie. We are doing a two goddamn hour Power Rangers movie and not goddamn one second longer. So it's like, I do understand why they cut things. I don't understand. I mean, I feel like they were basically just trying to like, if you know anything about like fucking like black exploitation films and like exploitation films in general, they're being like cut to the bone of basically being like, this is the exact amount of things we need to make this story go from A to B to C. It's like I feel like that's kind of what they were doing in this, and what they, I mean, it's not like it's not like this movie is unique in that, but like I definitely feel like that's kind of what they were doing is just like we need to have it be exactly what it needs to be, and nothing less, and nothing more, because we need it to be like fucking two hours. Like that's all that happened with Justice uh-huh. League, um, where <laughs> where it's like um, I, I feel like okay, I will say I do like Zack Snyder's Justice League, but it's four fucking hours long, and so it's like when I've heard it was like unwatchable and stuff, 
I was like, I bet you if you cut the movie down in two hours, it is fucking unwatchable. Like it's a four fucking hour movie long and you're you're cutting two hours out of it. You're cutting half of the goddamn movie out of it. So I bet you it is unwatchable. And then they like fucking give it to Joss Whedon and like granted Joss Whedon sucks as a human being, but like what he was like given fucking sucks. Where it's like, okay, so we need we need a two hour Justice League movie we need you to use as much of the footage that Zach already shot as possible because we can't like, we, we don't want to pay for that much more, but we'll give you X amount to like fill, like film little things to fill in the gaps. And like, but you wonder why that movie failed so spectacularly. It's because you had this very specific idea of like, it cannot be more than two hours, which is hilarious because the biggest superhero movie of all time is Endgame. Endgame is slightly over with credits, slightly over three hours. And it was like, it still made a kajillion dollars and it still fucking constantly was playing. Like there was no, there was, there was no trouble for anyone to see it. So it is just funny to me. Like that's the kind of clearly the logic with this movie. Like I feel like was they were like, we need it to be this specific length because we don't want kids to lose interest. I'm like, well, I guess, but like, should you just be trying to make the best possible movie? Like, and I mean, I understand, but I know like, I think um, like Batman Mask of the Phantasm is a fucking incredible movie and it's very, very short. Like it's like, I don't even know if it's a full hour and a half, but like, it's also very character based. And like, I don't know, like, Same. I mean, I saw it when I was a kid, but I don't know that every, every kid would have cared necessarily. Like in terms of like, about the story, it is the kid, they, I feel like they also were like, focused on just like Batman fighting people. So it's like, I don't know, it, I, I feel like everything, every movie should just be as long or as short. Because also the other direction is also terrible. When you have things that only need to be an hour and a half or two hours, but are like two and a half, three hours, just because yeah. you know people will sit for it. But that to me is equally stupid. So like I, I get yeah, both sides exactly. of the argument. It, it, I, I completely agree. I mean, the Justice League is also a bit of a weirder case because not only did you have the cuts, but the stuff that was refilmed by Josh did not gel at all with the theme and tones of what had already been filmed. So yeah, that one in and of itself was just doomed to failure the second they tried to bring in someone with a completely different style, regardless of how much of a twat Josh Whedon actually is. And I say that as someone who's loved pretty much everything he's ever done, but the person is a, yeah, no. Anyway, Power Rangers is, is such a weird one for me anyway, because I agree with you. Like, if you're doing this for kids, there ain't no way a kid's interested in this film. It's all about teenage angst and how good of an actor most of them are and really bad, like, pre-Matrix jumping over gaps in mountains that, yeah. Anyway, point is, there's only, I don't know about you guys. I don't know. I'm pretty sure we all saw this in the cinema, right? When it came out originally. Yeah. So. Was there at least one point where the audience actually had a genuine reaction? Because I know there was in my cinema, and I'm wondering if it's the same scene, because I'm I'm willing to bet it is. And it kind of... And I'm, I'm kind of... Sure it it kind of proves my point about what we've said through this whole episode. Was it by any chance when the music kicked in? Go, go, Power Ranger! Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> And and it's, and the fact that it only plays for like seven seconds and then changes into fucking Kanye West's All That Power drives me insane because no one wanted that. Like the, 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 the noise in the cinema, given how few people were actually there 
when Gogo Power Rangers hits. And it's not even the original. It's the version from the 1995 movie. And it just, it just goes to show what people actually wanted versus what they got, in my opinion. The second biggest scene that got the most reaction from the crew was when the cameos at the end hit. Cause oh. there was a few people that I knew were there and, and you could, you could tell those that grew up with it cause they were like, yes. <laughs> <That was just laughs> yeah. So fun fact, cause uh, this I have actually seen cause it is, it's on the Blu-ray. They actually originally had a completely different cameo. Um, I don't know if you've, oh, from the looks of Andy's face, I'm guessing you've not seen it. So Patrick clearly has. But, uh, you know, that scene where they're doing like the training montage and, uh, Kimberly and I, and I nearly said Aisha then. No, no, I'm getting ahead of myself. Kimberly and Trini are having that battle with the forks and they're fighting over what is. Basically, there's a longer version of that scene where the camera then pans over and sat at another table is Kimberly and Tommy, Amy Jo Johnson, Jason David Frank, and they sort of look at them like, ah, ah, ah. But, in that version, Jason and Frank has really long hair, so he really looks like Tommy, because he actually grew it back out just to appear in the film, and then they cut it. And of course, they then were like, oh no, come back, come back, we we want to do a different cameo, but he cut his hair off. So I, I, in that one moment, I felt really sorry for him, because it's like, you made all that effort to regrow your hair back, and then <laughs> they just cut it, you know? I mean, I'm sure he's fine. Like, I, I, it's funny because, like, I at this point, I now like picture him yeah, being yeah, more yeah, yeah. spiky hair. Like, that's I've seen him as in like his. We, we talked about uh, in our lost episode, or I guess after what would have been uh, like his MMA career, where he's just murking motherfuckers. Like, so it's like I picture him now with like the fucking like I, I know that like his iconic look is like the fucking long hair, but I was like I picture when I think of his name, I picture him as like spiky hair. Fucking like murking motherfuckers on the MA. Like, Wait, uh, were you going to say something then, Andy? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, oh, where he's all like tatted out and shredded and everything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the, yeah. Well, because it was weird because when I was watching, my kids were younger. They started watching Dino Thunder and I was <laughs> just, and, and I was just sitting with them and all of a sudden I was like, wait, wait, wait. Professor Tommy Oliver, what the hell is this? I was like, he's back again. <laughs> yes. So I was like, okay, cool. But yes. to see him and to see, you know, Kimberly, I was like, uh, they should have just got as many of the cast members from the uh, original back and just had them sprinkled throughout that well, scene at the end where they're all around. But I don't no. know. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. But wanted to. So like, honestly, from I mean, what like, I've gathered, yeah. they originally were like, we want to put them all of them in a cameo because that right so this is something i made a note of and then I, and then i wasn't gonna say it and now we've kind of gone into this anyway the guy that plays jason's dad and the way they make him look with the beard put him next to a photo of what austin st john looked like at the time and they are practically identical i am convinced that they originally were thinking of having austin play jason's dad but they then, like they, like I said, they got Jason Fright, they got Amy Jo Johnson, they did this cameo, and then they cut it out. Because allegedly, a decision was made somewhere by someone on high that they weren't going to have any connection to the originals for some reason. So I have absolutely no idea if that affected what they were going to do or what. But then, I think something happened like at the original test screening which is the same one where they cut out a lot of the romance plot. And they basically were like, oh, everybody was disappointed they didn't see any originals. Quick, 
get them back on the phone. And like, they were the only two they, they asked because the rest definitely weren't asked because they, they all attended the premiere and they were made that very clear that they had not been contacted. <laughs> but they also said that they wouldn't. Austin St. John has quite famously said he wouldn't have said yes anyway. If it, if it's just to appear at the end and take a stupid selfie, like they can get any idiot to do that. And they did. Shots fired. I love it. <laughs> well, he, he even said, like, if, if Hasbro wants the new reboot to have their involvement, which all rumors suggest they do, uh, then he's not interested in a cameo. You know, it, it, it's got to at least have some dialogue at the very least, something, you know, not just, uh, hey, look, it's me. Wave at the camera. I mean, I do. I guess it is. I, I have no idea what they have planned, but I was like, I guess they, theor- they theoretically could do like a legacy sequel thing, like where it's just like they could bring back the, the OGs. I have no for fucking when idea. This was first announced, and this was fucking years ago now, because Hasbro are so slow at doing this stuff. Was that the the person whose name I'm, is escaping me, who's re- who wrote the script and is going to be basically overseeing it all? Is there the the kids from today? are going to end up being thrown back to the 90s so that they can essentially take the Mighty Morphin powers and then bring them back into the modern age. But that also gives them the excuse of why everything is so 90s, because it's literally going to be set in the 90s. Because obviously, nostalgia, the whole like filmmaking movement of just appeasing to people's nostalgia is slowly leaving the 80s and now going into the 90s. So it, for me, it would make complete sense if they made the new Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and just set it in the 90s and have done with it and then do some sort of time travel shenanigans to make that work. They were going to, in some capacity, have all the surviving original actors involved, either with a film or with this weird Netflix thing that keeps being talked about by people that know leaks. However, things I'm not going to get into pretty much guarantee that they're not going to do that now. I would very strongly suspect that if there was going to be a Volbook for Boston St. John, it's not going to happen now. And if he's not going to be in it, I'm imagining they won't bother asking the rest of them, because it just causes too many problems. I mean, the one thing I will say is I get that nostalgia is a hell of a drug, but like, I personally, and I can only speak for myself, fucking hate that shit of like things that are basically exist just to like push that specific pleasure button in people where it's like that's why we keep getting stuck with shit that's not good because they're like basically coasting on nostalgia and it drives me fucking insane it's like a fucking cancer on modern entertainment where it's like we need to like do this thing so we'll bring in these like people who liked the thing before i'm like no just give me new things. Like, stop just fucking doing this over and over again. You've been doing this for so long now. I'm not even happy when I see it anymore. I'm just like, Jesus Christ, give me something new and different. Holy fuck. It's the same shit over and over again. And it's like, I'm not saying that against like legacy sequels in general, because there are many that I enjoy. But like, in general, just as like the idea of just mining nostalgia and mining IP, it has gotten to a point that it's, fucking ludicrous to me like where it's just like it's just this endless snake eating its own goddamn tail that drives me fucking up a wall whatever it's fine that's all i have to say about it but that's my rants but holy shit is that annoying the shit to me like it wouldn't bother me 
if they did like the whole like 90s thing and like whatever and then if, if they don't whatever that's also fine but it's just like I'll, i just want to see what you do if you do it well it's cool but it's just like of all the things like just give me the best version of a thing or give me a brand new thing don't just fucking prey on the fact that like, i used to like a thing I don't understand that logic. Like, I will say there could be some fuck. cool stuff though of seeing like modern day kids tell you know trans time time travel back to 1993, where they're like, "There's no there's no cell phones. What is this payphone thing here? I have to pay ten cents to make a call." <laughs> that kind of stuff can be done when it's done well. Can be funny. Um, also, I think the only downside of that is you waited about thirty years too long to have kids travel back and meet the 1990s power rangers unless we're going to have some cgi de-aging if that was ever going to happen but like we said for reasons we're not going into that probably won't <laughs> i mean truth be told i mean they could do that but that would be i can't see that because like so far the only people i feel like have made that work and i don't know what weird alchemy they have done but like disney and i actually i guess not disney marvel um has made it work where it's like at no point does my brain get weirded out by like the young Kurt Russell, like in Guardians 2. Like things like that. Like they, they somehow, and I don't even know how the, I don't think even Disney knows how the fuck they do it because they've like done their own movies, like the Pirates of the Caribbean 5, where they like did a young Johnny Depp that terrifies me. So it's like, I like, I don't think it's Disney in general. I think it's Marvel, but like whatever they're doing is spot the fuck on. And I was like, if they could do it like that for Power Rangers, like if you could, if you could somehow make it, so my brain won't be troubled by it. Like that would be cool if you like de-age them. But like, smart money to me says that they will look creepy, and I will not like it at all. And so I'd rather they just didn't do that at all. Like that would be just that think, would be better uh, for everybody involved. A lot of the time when they have success with that, it's with actors that look very similar how they do now to how they did then, and their body type hasn't changed so kurt russell robert downey jr samuel l jackson are the three people that i think of that have done the de-aging thing and it looks good pretty much everyone else like you said it doesn't work and regardless of what we already said there is no way that my brain can see how austin st john looks now matching how he did when he was 18 <laughs> because he's very very different physically he's very different facially and even the ones like, uh, say, Walter Jones or David Yost that pretty much still look the same, I just don't... You're A lot of the time with the de-aging, you're only going back, say, 20 years. They'd have to go all the way back to when they're supposed to be teenagers, which I think is asking a lot of the technology. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. You're not wrong. The other thing I wanted <laughs> to quickly say since we were talking about Easter eggs, and then Andy brought up Dino Thunder. Do you remember what... Do you remember anything about Dino Thunder, Andy, before I actually ask this question? Um, I mean, I remember that uh, there was three, three of uh, three of the Rangers. And then what Tommy was a black Ranger in that one. Yes. And then they found a, and then they found a white one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so and that inadvertently sounds like the most racist thing I've ever said does. in my life. But it does. <laughs> but I was just. Uh... No, to be fair, though, I remember like when I first watched Power Rangers again, like when it was like in syndication, um, when I was like, a teenager, I was just like, so the Black Ranger is black. Yellow. The yes. Yellow Ranger is Asian. <laughs> this is so... fucking weird. <laughs> like, I mean, when I found out that um, 
that the guy who played Billy was gay. I'm like, well, thank God they didn't make him the pink creature for Christ's sake. Like, there was like, because they clearly were like very interested in being on the fucking nose in terms of like so, where they made uh, the uh, fucking before ranger Before I go back to what I was about to say, um, Tree being Trini, the Yellow Ranger, wasn't by design. The original Yellow Ranger for the pilot was a woman called Audrey Dubois, who was not Asian, but was still playing Trini. So when they recasted her, they weren't looking for just Asian women's. It was anyone, and Tweed just happened to fit the bill. But because Walter had already become the Black Ranger, even the cast didn't realize what they had done until like 12 episodes in. And then they were like, oh, oh, well, and just didn't really give a shit, basically. But yeah, a lot of people have raised that point against them. And it's like, it wasn't by design. <laughs> But you're absolutely right. There's no way they would have uh, allowed uh, Billy any kind of reference to the fact he was gay because the production staff were famously anti-gay and made his life a living hell. So, Yeah, I've heard that too. I mean, I will say I do remember, um, as we already talked about Joss, I mean, we're talking about horrible people, um, but Max Landis, I know, wrote yeah. um, at least a couple of drafts on this um, before yeah. it became what it became. Um, and I know that Zach that was Black. one of his things Zach, that he Zach, made. Zach was um, going to be pink and Kimberly One of the boys, I was going to say, it was, okay, yeah. And I, there was a whole thing, yeah. Um, and I know his vibe was closer to the show in terms of like what he wanted to do. Um, cause I remember like that was the whole thing is like, I was, cause it was the same weekend. Um, it was the same Comic-Con weekend that, uh, Max Landis, I think it was actually the same room. Cause I think it was in, uh, Mass Square Garden, um, where they, uh, had the Power Rangers panel and the, uh, Dirk Gently panel, um, for Max Landis' show at the time. And um, I remember him tweeting where he's like, so you work on a movie, they fire you from that movie, and they instead make the movie that you've already yeah. made. Like, it was basically in reference to Chronicle. And I was just like, he's not wrong. <laughs> like, I was just like, that is a way. Like, I feel like if you were like, went to him, he's like, hey, so we want this to be like Chronicle. You probably could have just written you Chronicle. Like, it's like, that's what you were looking for. You probably could have just done that for you. So it's like, I don't even know if they knew what the fuck they wanted when they were making this at any point. They just finally like landed on something that more or less, I guess, was approved I, I think, and they kind of went, th went forward with it. But I have is, no idea. Is Saban had a massive amount of control over this film in his partnership with Lionsgate. Lionsgate probably wanted one thing. I'm imagining that's where a lot of the grounded realism came from. I think Saban wanted his own thing because I know that he did not enjoy working with Fox on the 1995 film because Fox basically told him to go away and they spent so much money on stuff that was never used because they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't understand Power Rangers. The Australian crew and the director didn't care for Power Rangers. So that was a miracle. It even got made in and of itself. So I think Saban was very much trying to not be in that position again. The problem is, is that once Saban had that level of control, he sort of remembered that actually he had very little to do with the creation of the original show. He was just the one that made all the billions. And there's a documentary, and I'm trying to remember what it is, but it might be The Toys That Made Us on Netflix. They have an episode on Power Rangers, and the one thing that that really highlighted is how much Bandai America had a massive impact on making Power Rangers, not just the toys. But also there was a lady, I believe her name is Margaret Loesch, who was a CEO at Fox at the time, 
but she also used to work for Marvel under Stan Lee. And she was there when Stan was trying to make Power Rangers the first time around. And she made pretty much all of the key decisions that made Power Rangers what it is. And I think without her and without Bandai, Saban was very much like you just said, I kind of know the basics, but I don't actually know what I want this to be. I just know that it used to make me lots of money and I want it to again. But to go back to what I was saying, there is a point in this film where when the big attack is happening, Jason's dad rings him on his phone and he tells him where he is. And he says, I'm at the corner of Reefside and Mariner Bay. Uh, fun fact, Power Rangers Dino Thunder was set in a town called Reefside. Power Rangers Lightspeed Rescue was set in a town called Mariner Bay. And there's another sign in the background that says Ocean Bluff Road, and that is where Power Rangers Jungle Fury was set. So they used all of the names of other shows to basically fill out the fictional Angel Grove that they built, which I thought was quite funny. Um, I got the, the Reefside thing straight away, because at the time, my friend and I were re-watching Dino Thunder, because he'd never seen it, and he was like, wait, Tommy came back again? Yes, yes, Tommy always comes back. But uh, I, I thought that was just a cool little moment of, yeah, exactly. It's like every time Michael Myers. he's gone, they ask him to come back again. But is there anything else you'd like to say about this before we uh, wrap this up? I mean, um, I do think, like I mentioned, mentioned before, like, but the, um, I completely forgot to bring it up. Um, really, the, uh, the way the masks are, like the helmets are. And how it never gets brought back. They do bring it back once. Like, they're like, because you mentioned that Tommy's dad, it reminded me when, like, or not Tommy's dad, uh, Jason's dad, where like he saves yeah, him yeah, and they yeah. have the very like Spider Man like moment, or back, I guess, Batman too, where it's like basically like he knows on some level it's his son, but he doesn't know like whatever for sure. And it's just like, so that's why, like, the end of the movie, like, they had the whole thing where it's like puts up the Power Rangers, like, save the thing on the fridge for. No reason whatsoever, of course. Um, I can't, I, I don't know that my son's a superhero. Um, but like, I did think that was kind of cool just by virtue of the fact that as like a comic book nerd, like I do like that kind of shit. But, um, but yeah, no, I did mention, I mean, I meant to mention that because like, but at the same time, I do get why they took away the helmets because like, it's the whole thing of like, why whenever you see somebody in like, uh, like a underwater suit in a movie or like in a fucking like space suit in a movie, like Armageddon, for example, um, there's always like lights inside of it because it's like, which is highly unrealistic. Like, why the fuck would that be there? But it's because you want to see the actors' faces. And like, so it's like, I completely get why they took away the masks because it's like, it's it's very helpful in terms of like, I would imagine if you would want to, which they didn't, uh, more with the martial arts aspect where you can like very easily just have people in suits that are like trained martial artists and not have to worry about training the actors um so it's like in that respect i would imagine it would be helpful but i was like for the way that they did it i was like i completely get why they didn't bother with them that much by virtue of the fact that like you don't really need to like you just need to kind of like you want to see the actors faces and you're not really doing anything else with them in terms of like them having to do special things physically so like i i get taking getting we're getting rid of that but at the same time, again, it's like the thing I've already said, we're just like, I definitely understand everybody's problems with the movie. I just enjoy it. Like, I'm not saying it's like a five-star movie or anything. It's like a three-and-a-half-star movie for me. But, like, it's still, I still enjoy it. And I still watch it every once in a while. Like, I still think, I think it's, again, it's like, I love Breakfast Club. And I love, like, 
insane like comic book bullshit so it's like this is something where they combine those two things and it makes me have christ i like i love dinosaurs like it's like it's like it pushed a lot of buttons so it's like i definitely get people's problems with it i just as a whole don't care because like because it, it's because it, again it's like the thing we've talked about where it's just like in the end all that really matters to me is whether or not i like the movie that i watched and I did like the movie that I watched. Like, so it's like, that's my whole thing with it. It's like, there's definitely flaws. There's definitely a lot. Could they have, like, they definitely could have done things that were true. Like, I do remember the night that I saw it, um, apropos of nothing, like I didn't like invite them or anything. They just happened to be there. Like I had two friends who showed up separately from me and my other friend um, who uh, we were walking out. were like, where the fuck was like the same thing you guys said? Like, where the fuck was like the like fights, like the martial arts fights, like with the putties and shit? They were like they, 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 they were like they did it like once for like two seconds, and they just kind of like abandoned it. And I was like, "You're not wrong. Like I can't I can't argue your point. I didn't think about it at the time because I was mostly just like thinking about it in terms of the movie that I watched and not necessarily in comparison. Except for I was like the only thing I thought of in comparison was I was like, it's weird they played this so serious when it's." fucking power rangers like it's like they because i mean christ they even like do a thing that marvel does in every fucking movie now where it's like they like have to point out the ridiculous stuff like you do say we're power rangers i'm like yeah, yeah no i it's it's inherently stupid we, we understand like it's fine like it's just like it's you don't need to like we, we don't need to make fun of it it's like there's there's people who this is very important to so it's like i get it but at the same time the movie that i got i'm not unhappy with do i think that there is definitely things that they probably would have modified if they got to do more of course like it's like that's like the only way you know when you're doing like a franchise like what works and what doesn't is by virtue of the fact that people like talking about the movie and like what they liked and what they didn't like so it's like and plus also as we talked about with andy where it's just like i'm gonna mostly just talk about the things that i did like which because like i don't see the point in like ripping it up to shreds so it's like yeah i mean there's definitely it's definitely a flawed movie like i'm not gonna argue it's not but like, it's, it's also a movie that I do enjoy. And I do think is like, for what it is, is good. And I enjoy it. Like, it's like, I don't, I, I have less complaints than I do things that like, I would compliment. Yes, I would agree. I, uh, it's a, it's an entertaining movie. It's a fun movie. Like, uh, when you leave it, you don't feel like, man, I got, that sucked. Like, I don't feel that at all. I feel it's a fun movie. Um, like you said, there's many things that I could in my head, you could change and go, Oh, it'd be cool if they did this. It'd be cool if they did that. But you have to look at the movie that they gave you. And I like breakfast club. I like outsider movies. Cause I like, you know, I being a kid that grew up being able to talk with jocks, being able to talk with nerds, being able to talk with goth kids, being able to talk with all going from different lunch table to lunch table. I, you know, I appreciate the fact that it's not that it's like this group of, kids that come together and so that those kind of stories uh, appeal to me and when it's done well and uh, that stuff is done tremendously well the fight scenes sure i want more of that because i'm an action nerd but what we got was fine and guess what that's not what they were focusing on in the movie i have a feeling s- subsequent sequels would have been a lot more action heavy because this got a lot of the building blocks out of the way for that franchise um so yeah i would yeah it was it was fun it uh, it was it was good. And as you know, Mike has said, there's nothing wrong with movies just being fine sometimes. Like there's, it's not bad. It's not great. It's just it's good. And there's nothing wrong with being good. So. I will say one more thing. Uh, the one thing I, I forgot about 
is I do think this is actually ultimately more successful in terms of like, because I know a lot of our friends like Chris and like my, they all like, like Shang-Chi and my whole thing with Shang-Chi, I remember even telling uh, Rob after I left it was I was like, the problem that I have is when you take it from being a character piece where like the final fight should have been Mandarin versus Shang-Chi and instead you spend like the last 10 minutes on a fucking kaiju fight that I don't care about that like that takes me out of the movie that's why that's why I don't like it I feel like I don't like it as much as other people whereas this I will say was more successful where I was never out of it like there was never a point where I was just like even though it does devolve into a big CGI fight it never my brain was never like I'm out like it's like because that did happen it has happened in other movies so like I will say that is something that to put in this movie's favor at least for me is even when it turns into a big CGI fest it still well, works and for to me. that effect the movie builds it. it 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 sets that up we we get these zords we see we oh I'm gonna see those things fight something big so we know that that's coming um whereas you know shang chi they've there's one-on-one fights there's this and all of a sudden at the end then it's this mystical uh kaiju fight like you said uh to me it didn't take me out as much just because the rest of the movie have built up enough goodwill for me with you know clearly edited fight scenes and fun you know uh uh fight direction and things like that to where i was like okay you got your kaiju i get it i get it but uh yeah no this does a much better job of keeping you of not going out of it so yes for sure yeah uh i also agree because one thing this film doesn't do which you could have very easily joined the club of is there is no sky beam that appears at the end for no real reason to just shine a great big light and summon a massive cgi horde there is a massive cgi horde but they managed to do it without a sky beam and without like you say taking you out of the film um going back to what you said andy about sometimes it's okay for a film to be fine i agree uh, like I said, I don't hate this film by any stretch of the imagination. I can nitpick it to death and I can kill it by death by a thousand cuts, but I don't actually hate it. Like I rewatched it without any issues. Um, but I think because this film was trying so hard to be the start of a franchise in this instance, yeah, it does hurt if you're just fine film, because if you're banking on the rest of your franchise to make you retroactively better, you need to be good right from the word go. And it says it on IMDb's trivia page. When the trailer for this film went live, it generated 150 million views in less than 48 hours. There were people excited for this film. So why did the film do so badly? And it, it's, it's either that nobody cared. The, the trailer, I don't remember the trailer. It, it, it got a lot of buzz, but I don't remember it being good buzz particularly. And I think, unfortunately for a lot of people, it was just the brand isn't as strong as some people wish it was. You know, these days, the Avengers is arguably the biggest superhero team on the planet. But go back before 2008 and 90% of people had never heard of the Avengers because most people hadn't even heard of Iron Man. I had, and I'm willing to bet so would you two. You probably read the books. But to say that Iron Man might one day be as popular or more popular than Spider-Man, the Fantastic Four, the X-Men, prior to 2008, you would have been laughed out of the building after they... Yeah, 
it's fucking insane, man. It is literally like when I was a kid, the only person I knew who gave a shit about Iron Man was my brother. Like literally nobody else gave a shit about Iron Man in my entire life. So if like, I remember when, when like, when Avengers was coming out and stuff, and like you were like, Iron Man's my favorite superhero. I'm like, Iron Man is nobody's favorite superhero, motherfucker. Not a goddamn person, except for Tim goddamn Bartlett. That's literally it. Also, to say that the Avengers are bigger than Power Rangers, because in the, the 90s, Power Rangers was huge. It was everywhere. Toys were everywhere. I had them. Everybody had them. The the merchandising was off the charts. So to transfer 20 years later, 30 years later, and the fact that you're right, and you are you brought up an excellent point. Being fine is and and being just good when you're a one-off movie or uh you know a netflix movie that just that just drops so we can watch it and be entertained um whether you're gray or beige i don't give a shit no no no, (laughs) Um, not going there move on i know we're not no we're not i know but when you are starting a franchise if iron man had just been fine we wouldn't be talking about marvel to this day so you are correct there is a there is a time when fine is not good (laughs) yeah exactly and the sad part is or or not necessarily sad but the 2017 film did prove that there was still life in the franchise perhaps not it it just didn't have the right execution but the funny thing is is the very thing we've talked a lot about during this episode did find success is comics Power Rangers didn't really have a presence in comics, but after this film, eventually, it, it took a while, Boom Comics came around and created the Power Rangers comics, which frankly took the world by storm. And for a brief period of time, and it, it was brief, but they were outselling Marvel and DC every month. And it wasn't because it had Power Rangers on it, even though that helped. It was because they took the idea in the original blueprint and rebooted them, which is what this film was trying to do, but in a way that kept the original spirit. I mean, it helps that it's a comic book, so you don't have to necessarily worry about realism and budget, but they managed to do new things with it whilst it's still being true to themselves, and they still look like this. (laughs) (laughs) That is an excellent point. Not a lot of... I hate to say it. I have friends who try to tell me till they're blue in the face that mar- that comics, that movies tie into comic sales. I was like, uh, if you watch the comic sales, maybe a new number one issue spikes up. But then as soon as issue two and three hits, it goes back down. Power Rangers can say they did something that Marvel hasn't done in a while. And that's a, mo- a movie or calling attention to your to your franchise sold comic books. <laughs> I mean, to that point, though, it, the thing is, like, I, I do think that the thing that, like, also, even the thing breaking it down even further, it's just if you have a take, like, if you have, like, a writer, um, whether it be film, comics, whatever the fuck medium you're talking about, it's if you have, like, I feel like a lot of things are getting made because, again, like, the thing with, like, the, the soldier and, like, whatever, but it's not necessarily that they have, like, a good idea for a movie or whatever. It's just, like, they were, like, oh, well, this thing was popular, so we're going to bring it back. But the things that are like really actually legitimately good, like let's say, for example, like Creed is a great legacy sequel because it's like Ryan Coogler had an idea and had something that was like important to say with these characters. And that's why it works. And you can the Power Rangers comics where it's like the reason that they work was because you had somebody clearly in terms of the writers and artists who were like had a fucking I like they had like a story to tell and like there was a passionate 
need to get that out there. And that's why it's successful. Whereas as we talked about, like, and again, I don't know the guy, so I don't like have any like, but like Dean Israelite didn't was probably not necessarily like a Power Rangers fan. And like whoever wrote the movie, like, I mean, Christ, there was like, if you look at like the fucking credits, there's like six credit writers on it. So it's like, it was clearly like something that was kind of like pushed into existence. And whenever you just kind of like do that, it's a huge crapshoot if it's going to work or not. Like it's basically like if it does work, it's almost by accident. Whereas like the things that are like legitimately good that came through that are by design where it's like somebody really wanted this to exist. So they made it exist. And I feel like that's kind of like the reason that if they try to reboot it, the chances of it failing again, if they do it the same way are high because the way that like you make any of this shit work is by having somebody or having various people who really want it to exist and will it into existence rather than just making it because you think it's going to make a shit ton of money. That is an excellent point. Cause I think Kyle, Kyle Higgins was the writer of that initial Power Rangers comic book. And I had just yeah. come off of his, uh, uh, um, Nightwing run. So I was like, well, I like the way this guy wrote my personal favorite character. I'm going to check out this too. And when you heard, heard him in interviews, he's like, oh, I've been sitting on this story since I was watching those shows back in the day. And you're right. You have to have somebody with a unique vision that, is number one talented at writing or, you know, coming up with their story. Cause we sat here and thrown out a, a ton of stuff. You guys, I've read your, you know, certain writing, it's way better than mine. And I'm just like, I just throw out random shit and see what happens, but there's people who are good at this stuff. And when you give them their, pla uh, their platform to tell that story, let them tell it, don't get in the way of it and look what can happen. Yeah, and, and I must also stress that actually I was wrong. The comic books were already running when the film released. So it literally did exactly oh. what you said. Yeah, they started in 2016, which has just depressed me because that means I've been reading them for way longer than I realized. <laughs> well, that's okay. Patrick and I have been uh, reading comics for like 30 years. So we're, we're good. <laughs> so <if> you... <laughs> oh, I, I read comics as a kid as well. It's just Oh, I that... know that, but we're, we're just older than you. So it makes yeah. me feel older even still. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but... um. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Hasbro aren't going to do it, but for me, you could make so much money by just adapting the comics that they've, they've made. Um, uh, they, they came so close to doing it a few years ago. There was that live action trailer that took the internet by storm with Jason Dave Frank playing Lord Draken and, uh, it went nowhere. But Carl Higgins has since confirmed that that was trying to start something. There was talks to, basically make a Netflix show set with the Lord Draken stuff with the, a show called Coinless that was going to be set in Draken's world to see what the original guys were doing without their coins. And it sounded really cool. But as per usual, like he said, everybody was up for it when there was a lot of hype. And then a few months later, when the hype had died down, suddenly no one's picking up the phone. It was never officially cancelled. It's just no one bothered to actually put in the work to make it. And like you say, that is what I think the problem is at Hasbro at the moment is they own a lot of franchises and Power Rangers currently doesn't make them as much money as Transformers, G.I. Joe, all the other crap they have. I think they have My Little Pony as well. Um, I know they're sitting on a ton of stuff like Mask, for example. Like they, they, they can do tons of stuff if they really want to, but they're very, very, very slow at bringing this stuff out. I mean, 
allegedly there is stuff planned for the 30th anniversary of the show next year that they have yet to announce. Nine times out of ten, the collectible stuff that they make has already released before they even have announced it. Like, that's how bad they are at actually announcing stuff. Um, so I don't know what the future holds, but for this film, I think it was a decent attempt that came out too late. If this, if it had released a few years earlier, I think it would have done a lot better because like you guys said, it would have appealed to the people that desperately wanted realism in their films. I mean, I do think, yeah, timing is also an issue because if you look at like, let's say even like Scream 4 and Scream 5, I'm not calling it just Scream, um... It's like Scream 4 made no fucking money. Like it just fucking died in the vine. And like it was the first Scream movie like to like to just fail like that. And then you wait like 10 years, like it's you suddenly have Scream 5, which makes like a kajillion dollars. So it's like I completely get that timing is definitely a factor in this. Where it's like, I definitely think that if they had made it earlier, it probably or even I mean if they like, it might maybe when they do it in a couple of years, maybe that'll be the right time. Who the fuck knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll just have to see what the future holds. Uh, they have finally started to talk about it on social media, like the producer stroke writer has teased familiar faces in a brand new universe. And some people have taken that to mean, well, the originals and other people have taken that to mean that we might be seeing the 2017 cast back in some capacity. I don't know. And I, and I'm honestly not bothered what route they take i would just like to see as andy said a really good story that actually takes all of the elements from the original show not just bits and pieces for like 30 seconds each because as you said and my last point i'm going to make before we wrap up is the biggest thing i want from the next iteration is to not be embarrassed by its source material as we all said the biggest cheer was when go go power rangers played with all the Zords running like they used to do pretty much every episode before they transformed. And even then, they couldn't take that moment seriously. They had to have that little moment where Billy rides in and backwards with the Triceratops and makes it a funny moment. And yes, that is funny, but when every single moment is undercut by humor, as the MCU is discovering, that isn't actually what people want. And it doesn't work, especially if you do it every single minute. And I just don't want that as if it can take itself a little bit seriously, not super seriously. I don't need Adi Shankar levels where, you know, they're killing each other off and doing hard drugs like that's a bit too far. But I need a happy balance in the middle. That would make me happy. But with that said, we're going to end the episode here because I already know this is a stupidly long one. And I have no idea how interested the Action Addicts fans are going to be in Power Rangers. But whatever. You know, there's another Power Rangers film out there that has way more action in it. And I'm sure at some point that one will get its own episode. But until then, thank you very much to Patrick and Andy for joining me. I'm going to throw it over to myself now to do the outro to tell you what's coming next week. All right, that's it. You've reached the end. You've finally done it. You've reached the promised land of the ending. So what's next? Well, 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 uh, there's a there's a couple of answers to that. First of all, there's going to be a bonus episode on Thursday, uh, which is going to feature the return of our good friend Rob. And I think you're going to like it because it is on Blood Fist. And if you know what Rob is doing at the moment, you'll know why that is kind of funny, because he is currently doing a podcast called You Could Have Been a Blood Fist Movie. 
So I thought who better to come on and talk about the genuine article than the guy doing a podcast about whether or not other films could actually be a Bloodfist movie. So I hope you will enjoy that. And then next week is the beginning of October. And as a result, I decided, well, I actually decided this a long time ago, like when the podcast was still in its uh, creative phase and hadn't, you know, actually started putting out episodes yet. But Unfortunately, due to me kind of forgetting that October is getting really close, I have a bunch of episodes that are very, very quickly becoming old. Uh, they won't obviously lose their relevance because the, they're not about new films, but it does leave me with this annoying problem where I have episodes now I've realized I've mapped it out all the way through to December. I'm good. I don't need to record a thing if I don't want to. But the reason that that has happened is because the ones that I need for my October Halloween slash spooky season specials are all ones that I have not already got recorded, bar one. So for October, look forward to some films that have a bit more of an edge to them in terms of the spookiness. Uh, I think you guys are going to really enjoy the choices. One is super obvious and i'll be amazed if some of you don't guess what the final film you know the one that's actually gonna drop on halloween is uh that will be hilarious because like i said an action film that's uh got a spooky segment to it a little bit of a twist i think there's one really obvious one and and i think it's the one you're all thinking of or it might not be you'll have to wait and see and then after that We've got uh, some really exciting stuff for November lined up because uh, some guests that have never been on the show before will finally get their episodes to come out, as well as some guests that I literally recorded with this week, uh, not realizing how long it was going to be until their episodes actually came out. So if you're someone who listens to the show that's also been on the show but's wondering what's happened to your episode, that's what's happened to your episode. Uh, you're all getting shoved forward because of October. But don't worry, your episodes will eventually come out, so thank you to everyone who is being very patient and has come on. But I'm hoping from here on out, nothing should go wrong in terms of not having an episode to go out. It really just comes down to editing, which, fingers crossed, shouldn't be an issue as long as Audacity doesn't decide to have a complete and utter self-destruct sequence again. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to seeing you all in the next episode. But until then, folks, that's going to be it from me. Thank you very much for sticking with me to the end. And I will see you all in the next one. On the X